it's Grant Kramer, Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns Matter Space, Scotty Palmer in Hard Bodies, Jerry Robert Willis in uh, Willy's Wonderland, and uh, many other movies. And it's awesome to be back on the Below the Belt Show. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the Below the Belt Show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the Bad Boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Alright guys, it's time for another episode of BTV that's below the house in the house, guys. I'm supposed to be I guess I've heard it, I don't know. Um, here for your weekly pleasure, guys. We have an incredible show from top to bottom, as per usual. And we're starting off amazingly um, uh, with an amazing cast of this amazing film. But let's start by introducing my co-host extraordinaire. He is the Persian prince of pop culture. Gosh. He is the fan favorite. It's stuck. <laughs> he is uh, Mike the General Zod. Hello, everyone. As always, a pleasure to be here. It's been, I always feel like I say this, but it's been a little while. And um, yeah, it's, it's been super excited to talk about this movie tonight. Absolutely. And um, recurring co host on BTV, yes. actress extraordinaire. Um, production extraordinaire she's ad extraordinaire um the list goes on and on my gosh she, she pretty much does everything in the world of film uh alexis baroni back on btv oh my god i'm so happy to be back i got a drink in my hand yes Al, like, let's go spirited <laughs> beverage yes yes absolutely so let's go ahead and introduce two new voices here on below the belt show who are alexis's co-stars in this amazing comedy horror film <laughs> called A Comedy of Horrors. Wow, you got both genres in the title, so I guess there's no mistake. <laughs> <kind of emphasis>. uh, <laughs> and this is volume one, which means I'm guessing there might be more. Uh, let's go ahead and start by introducing, yes, actor extraordinaire. You might have seen him on HBO's Veep. Uh, as the sneezer, um, <laughs> um, you might have seen him in a, a lot of great projects um, in the DMV and beyond. He's an excellent theater actor as well. Uh, Dan Franco. Hey, Welcome. thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to finally be here. I know, right? It's been a minute. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm so glad, Al, that I can, you know, help you level up, you know, with your with their star caliber after, you know, after the night you had last night. So. Oh. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, I think uh, Dan, you're alluding to the "We Own This City" uh, cast. I'm joking. I've, I've seen pictures of Al all day with uh, with with Johnny uh, Bernthal. So Johnny Johnny like, Bernthal, yeah, I call him Johnny B. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun event. It was a fun event. Uh, Ken Arnold, 
who was a part of uh, the amazing film that you guys did, who actually wrote and directed, I believe, two of the segments, right? Yep. The Substitute and the uh, Welcome to Clown Town um, portions of the film, uh, which is awesome. And let's go ahead and also introduce um, uh, – she's in L.A. right now, so we got some West Coast action coming in. Um, you might have seen um, our next panelist on um, such great things as uh, Ithaca. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and um, some amazing other projects. Christine Nelson. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Aw, great to have you, Christine. <laughs> awesome. And we actually have another um, actor from this project uh, that's going to be joining a little bit later, but we'll introduce him when he joins. So let's just get right into it. First of all, uh, Love the anthology style because we don't we don't see this too often. I, yeah. Was this borrowed from a genre? I, I know they used to do a lot of these horror genres a little back in back in the day, so to speak. And to see this anthology style coming back is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, they 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 really wanted to. You know, we had Night Watchman that came out a couple years ago, and they really wanted to get another project up and on its feet as as quickly as possible. And um, instead of trying to to write and edit and put together a, a feature, they really wanted to go into uh, a horror comedy anthology. And there's a lot of there's a lot of great um, horror anthologies lately, and I think Alexis is in one. Aren't you in one of the VHS anthologies? I am. Yes, I'm in VHS too. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of great horror anthologies out there, but they're not there's not a lot of horror comedy anthologies. So that's right. really really <laughs> what they uh, they were aiming for there. Yep, I had that in mind with the opening promo uh, with Grant Crim from Killing Clowns from Outer Space because uh, that's kind of, uh, I feel like, an homage to uh, the first uh, uh, part. So I guess we can go uh, story by story and talk about each uh, uh, amazing um, uh, part of this film. Uh, the first part is Welcome to Clown Town. So yeah. this uh, features uh, Dan Franco. Uh, you play Chuckles, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, and I, I love how the sound effects were uh, uh, consistent throughout the entire uh, um, portion of this this film. Um, everything from the clown walking to honking everyone's no nose to uh... <laughs> yeah, they, they did. They had a lot of great world building in there yeah. and, and gave us freedom to do that. And and uh, and and like they established early on that one of Deluca's squeakers in his uh, in his shoe is is broken. So that continues through the whole the whole thing. So they, they did a great job on the sound design for this. Now it's interesting because uh, usually the clowns are the antagonists, right? So this is where the clowns become the protagonists. Um, there's a family of clowns. There's you know sheriff clowns. So I, right right then and there, that's that's a first, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like a it's like an alternate. Uh, it's part of the the uh, megaverse or with the, uh, the right. But in this in this universe, uh, the clowns are the regular people just going through their day. <laughs> cops and barbers and store clerks and uh, and uh yeah so um and actually it, it kind of came from right as it, back to the night watchman right as we were getting ready to release that and that has clowns in it as well um there were these all these stories if you remember around 2017 2016 there were all these towns where where like on the outskirts of town and the parks and just clowns were showing up they weren't doing anything they weren't messing with anybody they were just showing up and standing there and freaking people out. And so I think they got the, you know, they kind of got this idea that what if it was flipped? What if clowns were the regular people doing their their everyday thing and, and around freaked them the hell out? 
Yeah, wow. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Chuckles, uh, tell us a little bit about your character of Chuckles. 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 Um, Chuckles is just a, a guy going through his day, and uh, and the 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 killer, the T zero double D. Um, he uh, he's he's tracking tracking Chuckles. You know, tracks him back to his house, and apparently there was there was a big massacre in the 1980s, which is where the where the movie kind of begins, and. Uh, and and so then, as this person's tracking me, uh, Ken Arnold and Dan DeLuca, Sheriff Skittles and Deputy Jingles, I think I, I can't remember DeLuca's uh, character's name. I think it's Jingles, and um, they're trying to track down this killer, trying to follow the follow the clues through town. And uh, I sort of end up being the final girl in this one, so it's great. It's uh, <laughs> the final know, I get, girl. I get to be in the form of yes. uh, by by a, by a machete murderer. <laughs> and it's great uh, makeup and costuming. Uh, how did you enjoy that process? I did not enjoy that process. Um, <laughs> the the pancake makeup uh, definitely does not come off as easily it goes on. And uh, I actually had an audition a couple a uh, couple days later, and I still had blue in in like the creases of my eyelids. <laughs> I scrubbed and scrubbed. And Residual clowning. <laughs> right. I got the part, so I guess they were they were down with that. So. <laughs> down with the That's clown. That's a little shadow, you know. <laughs> and you work with your son, right? I did. My son got to play my my son. It's actually the third time he's done that. Um, uh, we were on. A, he did a forty-eight hour film with us, and then he also did um, uh, Chris Perillo's movie, Nothing from Something. Nice. Um, so he played my son in that as well. So um, he and Ken Arnold's daughter uh, Wilhelmina play the the clown children in our family. So. Wow, that's awesome. And we have yeah. another cast member joining the panel. Um, last time he was on Blow the Belt Show, we were talking about blockers, so we we're happy to have him back. Uh, actor extraordinaire, Jimmy Bellinger. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Jimmy, guys- good to have you on Below the Belt Show. Thank you. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. You- I'm just making sure. Thank you so much. And by the way, that was too many nice things that you said. Uh, to introduce me, you can just say redhead that acts. <laughs> Jimmy's also joining us from Los Angeles, right? Yes, I am. This, this, you're actually joining at the perfect time because we're going chronologically in the story arcs in A Comedy of Horrors, Volume One. So we just discussed the Welcome to Clown Town. So uh, the nice. second story arc is uh, Fun with Ferkley. Yeah, so. Uh, Jimmy, uh, you work very closely with a puppet and Jackie Jones, a great actress from the DMV originally. Uh, tell us a little bit about your segment of this film. Yeah, you know, um, I had never worked with a puppet before, and I was told that they were difficult to work with, uh, that they could be real divas. And uh, it's true. I mean, puppets are, are real assholes. Um, so it was so it was Ferkley like doing method acting like during the entire during the entire production. <laughs> yeah, I mean there were times that I don't even know if Ferkley knew that we were filming a you know something. I think that he was just you know he was just there present and and living his life very dangerously. Uh, <laughs> Full Jared Leto. Oh my gosh, so much, yeah. No, but uh, it was very fun. Um, you know, it was definitely an interesting experience. Uh, only, and by what what I mean by interesting is that having to kind of uh, 
act with myself occasionally as well as with another actor you know uh i there were times where i was in control of the puppet and having to kind of uh control it and move it as well as there were times where it was michael you know um and uh and so he you know having to kind of try and uh you know, balance that where there were times where it was him and times where it was me and trying to kind of act with myself was very interesting, fun, uh, really silly at times. Uh, you know, if you if you watch it, you'll see there's some pretty uh, oh, yeah. ridiculous moments. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. To say the least, you always get yourself in these compromising positions uh, in blockers uh, in the bedroom scene and, of course, with the puppet in the bedroom scene. So I... <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah it's it's in my contract you know <laughs> uh, but they had they can't be like good they have to be bad like that you know, like they have to be uncomfortable and really weird that's what's important how did they come up with the design of Ferkley was it after any particular maybe Muppet or Sesame Street well, to be honest I don't know but uh I'm sure Michael was heavily involved in that I'm sure and was he- heavily a part of that and uh however that came about and maybe dan knows more than i do uh it was obviously an, uh, an awesome puppet i, I whatever what what became was awesome but dan i'm sure can uh talk more about that yeah i believe um i believe that uh there was there were different iterations i think originally Ferkley was going to be orange and then um and then jamie and michael kind of landed on on this uh blue it kind of has a, a little bit of cookie monster to him, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought so. Yeah, but but just enough to not get sued. <laughs> Instead of eating cookies, he's eating crotches and faces. Right, correct, exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, how did you like working with Jackie? Jackie's a favorite of ours. She was great. Yeah, you know, I'd never I'd never met her before, um, and it was great to meet her. She was, you know, I think the I think. The great thing about her is that, um, look, we were shooting something really weird, uh, you know, and, and at times, uh, I mean, all the time, but there were times where things were stranger than others. And uh, and I think that she she was always, there was never any, like, uh, like hesitation or, you know what I mean, or, or, or mm-hmm. nervousness. Like, she was, like, down to do it, you know, whatever we were doing. Um, and also, especially the thing is, there was a lot of improv happening, you know, I mean, oh, cool. uh, you know, with Ferkley, with Michael, you know, he, he can just go off and stuff. And that can be intimidating at times uh, for people who don't do a ton of comedy, potentially. Not that I'm saying that she doesn't, but I, you know, but it can be intimidating. And so she was there listening, playing along. She didn't, you know, she wasn't freezing up and being like, I'm not sure what, what am I supposed to say here with this crazy riff that's happening and, you know. You know, that, there's so much content that we probably filmed that, it, you know, that didn't even make it because we were just, there's a lot of improv, a lot of fun, a lot of play. Uh, and so there were moments that I'm sure for her could be intimidating, but she was like, here I am, you know, I'm ready to kick some uh, puppet booty. And uh, she did. Nice. Now, how, how do you like working with improv uh, in general when you're giving uh, that freedom? Yeah, I mean, I love it. You know, some of my favorite projects at least involve some improv. You know, I mean, I think that it's great when you can film something and you can get what they want, what's written and get that in the can, get that get that recorded. And then, you know, getting a chance to play around, uh, I think is really 
Um, I think it's really fun for me. I don't, not everyone, I, I've definitely worked with people who feel intimidated by it, like I was talking about, and that's something I have experienced before, which is why I brought it up. Uh, but I like it. I think it's fun. And, and a lot of the times you end up finding really cool moments out of it that you can add in. Um, mm -hmm. and being able to improv also gives, uh, at the end of the day, I feel like it gives the director, the producers, a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the editors themselves, a lot of choices. <clears throat> You know, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of fun and sometimes it can go, you know, in crazy directions and be ridiculous. But most of the time, it's just a, it's just a good time. Had you had any improv training before, um, you know, before you got into comedic acting? Um, no. And yes, I mean, before that, no, but I have done some improv stuff out here with like UCB and stuff. But right. Um. But no, I mean, I think that I just, I think that it was just doing like working on things and over time and playing with other actors and stuff on camera and stuff. You have, you know, I think that experience is also education. And so I feel like that's also where I kind of like learned to play around and, you know, and sometimes it's great. And sometimes you say weird stuff that never is going to make it anywhere, you know, yeah, Dan, were there any improv segments for Welcome to Clown Town? Um, was it mostly there, by the book? There, there were some, yeah, some with the. Um, uh, I, I, I believe there's there's a moment with the uh, with a cat that that kind of came up out of improv. I don't think that was scripted, and it just was sort of it, it was sort of collectively improv. Um, you know, it wasn't on the shoot, but it was sort of a kind of try something kind of kind of deal. So awesome! All right, and let's go on to the third. Uh, part of this amazing film last made standing and we had two of the <laughs> two of the stars of that uh, story alexis veroni christine nelson and, and interesting enough alexis you play christine oh my god right? i know that Which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you play lucy christine right Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting on, on that when you're actually playing uh, Christine and Christine, you're playing a different game. And Alexis, <laughs> I don't know if you still have yours, but. I do. I should have worn it. <laughs> Margaritas and mayhem. <laughs> no, I have my cover. I just have no idea where it is. <laughs> I pulled that out of my closet just for this. <laughs> what a story, ladies. Uh, this last mate standing. Um, was wow just shocks a lot of shocks a lot of jaw dropping moments um uh, tell us about your experience on set for that you first <laughs> I, I thought it was uh really fun i mean it's always fun to work with your friends too i i yeah. think yeah i really out of the cast i really only knew alexis at first but all the girls were really amazing and awesome to work with um, and I feel like we did a lot of improv as well, didn't we? I I did fuck tons. Yes. <laughs> you fuck can curse on the show, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I plan on I plan on, I have I have like I'll I'll bring up some of my favorite lines that I knew weren't gonna make it in, <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, I I don't know about you, Christine. I did a fuck ton. <laughs> I know that whole moment where you and Francesca, who plays Paulette, were talking about like I want to be my friend or whatever and, and she's like I already got a friend that whole bit I think was improv <laughs> we can team up we can be allies or whatever she's already got a friend and then, then Francesca says Francesca man if I fucking love her she's like 
I've got, a, I've got a friend, Leslie. And then I say Lexi. And then she says Lucy. And she's like, Lucy, whatever. So it's just Francesca and I came up with that like on the spot. She's like, Leslie. I'm like, Lexi, Lucy. No. Okay, whatever. Who fucking I was on spot that day. That, that bit is, it, it gets me every time. I was there when you shot it. It was, it's so fucking funny. And, and, it, and then it's, it's, it's her final part. Shit. Like, <laughs> Dan, you're actually uh, one of the actors that has two stories. You're in two parts of this film. I do. Pop yeah. Up. I have a little uh, little cameo Hi. Easter egg. Um, that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because because I have friends in the business apparently that like to make me do ridiculous <laughs> shit. This is also part of his contract. Whereas Jimmy has to do like all the uncomfortable shit. Dan has to dance, do a sexy dance. Yes. Spoiler. That's it's a contract. Interesting, yeah. hasn't it? Is like the sexy. <laughs> <laughs> you really fill out a punch costume really well. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely filled it out. That was uh, those were some short shorts right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. They required wow. different underwear. To, uh, to not. Yeah. That was so, that was uh, that was special. That so, that was a fitting that I really enjoyed. So had the party not gone awry, we would have probably seen a lot more of of uh, your your character Dan. But fortunately, there there was uh, there was some axe murdering, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a horror film, uh, guys. So yeah, <laughs> sadly, characters oh, are, are, are gonna are gonna die. We're not gonna talk spoilerish though. But uh, <laughs> I do love that the last bride standing. Um, uh, theme because you're you know the audience is wondering who's gonna make it out who's gonna make it alive you know we're not gonna say shit I'm not gonna say shit you right no, we, <laughs> it's very it's very Hunger Games ish very Squid Games ish you know? <laughs> a little yeah. bit yeah yeah <laughs> but there was so, a lot of weapons yeah so can we talk about how how that how you're handling those weapons and was there any intimidation with this for me yes I was very afraid to use the weapons especially the axe and everything was really safe on set. Like I had a foam axe um, at one okay. point, but I was still, I was still so afraid. I like, I was like, I'm gonna hurt somebody somehow. <laughs> I'm so scared <laughs> to use the axe. <clears throat> but everything was really safe. I was just very, I'm very new to the world of, um, I guess, like set weapons. I've never really done that before. So yeah. That experience for me at least it was it was it was a very safe set too you know Mm -hmm. like it was um jeff wilhelm is was our stunt coordinator um he was great with making sure like i can i can only speak for myself here but making sure that we all understood how things worked or what have you there was nothing that fired anyway um so that was really helpful you know there were no guns or anything um right thank god right Um, yeah, so that that was helpful, and I mean, we had a crossbow, and I think it's funny because I mean, if you really look at it, like I'm a, I'm a poster holding this fucking crossbow, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but no, it was it was great. Um, I personally had no issues handling weapons on set, but I've also done weapons training as a martial artist. So for me, I'm like smack in the face. Oh, it's okay. I'm good. I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because I actually recently just finished. Um, assistant directing on a on a feature with the prop master who made the axe that was the foam axe that was rented to our to this project and he's like dude i've never met you before now but that's my axe and i was like what so it was pretty fucking wild (laughs) (laughs) seems like a lot of fun to shoot zod you had a question and i i 
through through over yet. That, that, that's quite all right. I'm I'm used to being talked over. That's fine. I'll be okay. <laughs> no, I just uh, I was uh, I was just going to ask like uh, with your with your experience on the set. I mean, was it difficult to play pretty much vapid sociopaths the way you guys uh, both? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, I'm gonna say it was it was it was a little disturbing watching how easily Alexis slid into that place. Just yeah, just for the record. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was actually, amazing. Christine, Christine, your character, your character was actually like probably the most sympathetic of all of the characters in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. um I really loved. Uh, the character of Lucy because I feel like she's the level head, the really loyal friend out of mm-hmm. maybe what's the word for this group of women? I, <laughs> but um, the bitch collective. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so I feel like maybe she's uh, she's in her own little space separate from everyone else in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. I sort of. I felt kind of badly for her. <clears throat> I. I won't say in all the ways, but you know. <laughs> Watch out for the quiet ones. <laughs> where, where did you shoot the, uh, um, this uh, this uh, scene? It was at. Was it? It was Bill Steffi's house. Mm, Bill Steffi's house. That's all we're gonna say. Annapolis. There you go. That's it. Because next thing you know, people are gonna like be driving by me and like. It's gonna be one of those iconic houses you wanna take. It's okay. Place. He doesn't live there anymore. Oh, fast. Okay. Well, no, no. <laughs> okay. Then it's fine. And it's literally like like the 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 dock that that Matthew Bowerman um, goes out onto is the backyard. I mean, that is the exact space. You know, it's that wasn't B-roll footage of the the, the house at the beginning of it. That was the house. Yeah. Um, it's this beautiful place. There. We did it. The three of us sat in the back and we were you and me and Francesca, right? We had like nice heart to hearts out there. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) Did she Uh, beat me now? (laughs) Oh yeah, she does. Oh the director Uh, is Nick Tucker and Taylor Hamilton. So two directors and writers of this this story or the third yeah, story. They're out, of, they're out of California. Uh Nick has ties to this area. Um he's done some some um you know prior films and and I think Ken had connected with him through the Annapolis Film Festival mm-hmm. way back when and uh, they stayed in touch and Nick and Tucker Nick and Taylor um came out and did this segment and they I I'm gonna be, be honest you know I, I think it's my favorite of the I love I love them all but I think this one's my favorite of the bunch and uh, ah, they, Jimmy's giving you the middle <laughs> finger <they crushed> it. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, you had a, a great uh, DMV-based director in uh, Jamie Nash, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. How was uh, how was it like being directed by Jamie? It was good, you know. Um, uh, with Jamie, it was like he was um, he had his plan, he had what he wanted to shoot, but he was also very open to trying things, to exploring things. To again, there was working with Berkeley, working with Michael, there's a lot of improv happening. Uh, and um, he uh, he rolled with it the whole time. So I think that's kind of uh, an important part of this, uh, working with Jamie is that he was very down to kind of do whatever. And 
really important and it was pretty fun uh, working with him because he had his plan. He was a very, um, uh, you know, uh, he had his storyboard and everything, but if things, if an idea came up, he was like, okay, let's do it. And I think that was important. That's awesome. Being very receptive to the actors. Very yeah, cool. I would say that it was pretty, it, it felt super similar. And that doesn't surprise me about Jamie at all. I love working with Jamie. I'm kind of disappointed I didn't get a chance to work with Jamie on, on this particular movie anthology. Um, but working with Nick and Taylor was kind of a lot of the same thing, um, especially within the realm of improvisation. So that was, that was pretty, that was pretty sweet. You know, it's just like, filmmaking in general should be a collaboration you know there's times when of course you need mm -hmm. that hierarchy you need that you know it's just like nope right. this direction we're going with it but in general especially independent filmmaking it's so key to have that collaboration and that just felt like it felt like i could go and i did multiple times like talk to nick and i was like hey can, can i try this and he's like do it and i was like sick so it was you know it was, <laughs> it was nice you know um uh i yeah, they, it was it was it was a great experience. I just I can remember so many lines I said that I'm like, there's there's no way they're gonna put this in there. But I was like, but it's so good. <laughs> so so did you see the like? Because uh, I know like sometimes collaboration leads to like some unfortunate compromises. You never got to that level. Like you were able to keep it. it I mean, the the finished product is out is obviously great. So it's uh, it looks like that's what happened, but. Like, I, I know that there there's always the danger of going into, you know, suddenly it becomes this thing by committee, which nobody likes. I'm no, glad it didn't work many, with this. No, when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, that becomes a, a, a problem. That is a problem. Um, that was definitely not the case here. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's just like I, I can only speak for myself here and my experience in doing both sides of the camera. But the fact that like it's just easy I, I personally find that it's easy for me to read it's like now is not the time to throw this idea out there we're just gonna do it as it is and mm -hmm. finish it you know because especially if you're hearing you know god love the crew god love all crews or whatever and they're trying not to freak the actors out because at the end of the day if if we can't perform because our mind space isn't there you spent 10 hours lighting something we can't fucking work with um <laughs> it's true but that's just it like you know you have those moments where you're like listening to the crew and they just they seem the energies there and you're like <gasps> you know and so it's just mm -hmm. like yeah i don't think i'm gonna try that one thing i had in my mind that's gonna take 10 minutes <laughs> no <laughs> you're gonna stay in and just keep moving on so and there was there was a time crunch so these these were um we each each segment was allotted um well the four the four primary segments was allotted a week so so uh, the first one was the the last the last segment that we haven't talked about yet, but that one shot in Atlanta. And then it was Clown Town, <coughs> Berkeley, and Last Made. Each one was a week. It was actually five days with a couple of days off until it rolled into the next one. So there wasn't a lot of time to to waste on, on you know, you kind of, it, they came in with the plan. Uh, the cool thing was that for the most part, a lot of the crew rolled over from one week to the next. Oh, cool. Um, some of them changed jobs. Because I know there's multiple directors and writers, but yeah. the other crew remained the same throughout yeah. all four seconds. Yeah. For the most part. So so it was it had to move quickly because there wasn't a lot of time. So there wasn't a lot of uh, just sitting around and, and committeeing about what, what we were going to try because we did have to move. It, every, every production had to move really, really quickly and be very tight. It yeah. almost felt 
on some of the shoots, it almost felt 48 hour film ish that we were moving kind of that quickly, shooting that much content in a day. Um, so, but it was, it was fun. It was, it, and it was, it created this really great collaborative environment, you know, that, that everybody across all of the, at least all the three and four um, that we, that we shot here in Maryland, four that we shot here in Maryland. Love it. Let's give a shout out to Ken Arnold and Dan DeLuca. Definitely. who are the writer-directors of uh, not only the Welcome to Clowntown segment, but also the Substitute segment, which is basically the storytelling in between, like kind of yeah, like the, the framing. Uh, fr framing, thank you, General Zod, yes. Uh, <laughs> so that was really awesome. So uh, I guess if you could speak for, for Dan and, and Ken, um, Dan, um, how was that uh, collaboration um, to get – not only the Welcome to Clown Town, the opening segment, but also have the substitute separate each story. Yeah, so the substitute, uh, they shot that uh, in between, I believe they shot that in between Ferkley and mm -hmm. Last Maid. Uh, so that was uh, like a, I think that was one day, honestly. And uh, they brought in those kids and uh, they shot all of the kid stuff and then they got them out of there for all of Kathy. Kathy Searle is the substitute and she is phenomenal. She's a great um, actress. She's so she's good. Incredible. I saw her Incredible. Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, yeah, Super Bowl commercial. She's been in a ton of commercials, um, and she has a uh, um, I can't remember the name. Uh, something kill. I have to look it up. Um, she has a movie that is just now going out on the release circuit. Um, Titanic. Titanic. Yes, Titanic. Love and Kill Ernie. I think is the the, the movie <laughs> that she's she's got out. In addition to this, um, but uh, and. The makeup that they did, so so, and then there's some there's some shots out there in the world of it. I think it's in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. She, as this, as you know, as you come back between the segments, um, she's a little more deranged, a little more, you know, eyes sunken, and then she by the end she's a full blown like like horror witch, and um, yeah, that was probably a very sig uh, so, um, similar to Agatha in uh, Wandavision. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I kind of see the uh, similarities. Um, and that was probably a seven-hour application that that uh, uh, Steve Bauer and uh, Juliana Braffa did in like an hour and a half. I mean, they they were flying. Uh, you know, you could see them because with shooting, you know, anytime you work with kids, things don't go quite as quickly as you think they will. And yeah, we were you know we were getting time crunch. And you could see them because it's labor when they were too. doing that. that <laughs> Yeah, lunches <laughs> when they were doing that application, you could see them just prepping and trying to get everything ready so that it would just go right on her. And it was it was amazing. Like it was amazing to watch this thing happen. Yeah, very very awesome segments in Shout between. Shout out to like the makeup team. Yeah. yeah. For Last Man Standing too, because I mean like the, all of the tiny little like the Christine's like makeup, you know, like her makeup streaking down her face, and then like the blood on my forehead. That was great. It's, it's <laughs> Every damn time. This needs to be like in film schools. It's like, this is how you do continuity, kids. Like, they did such an amazing job. And, you know, as Dan said, like, it's just, we have to move so fast that in order, you know, it's just, it is an art form. So, fuck yes, jokesters, guys, yes. <laughs> yeah, the jokesters, the jokesters did the 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 makeup on that one and on uh, on on Berkeley. So we yeah. had, we, they split it uh, between the two of them. Yeah, and I love how you got to do practical effects for horror yeah. sometimes, you know. Doing mm -hmm. the CG is cool, but you got to have the, the the blood and guts, so to speak. Uh, I think it really uh, resonates uh, and gives that uh, old school horror feel, feel so that's cool. Um, and there's one more story to talk about, the um, 
The Good Head. <laughs> Part four with Matt Cerrito, Addie Weyrich. Um, if anyone could speak on, on this segment, uh, I guess we don't have an active representative from that particular story, but uh, uh, it's very unique. And I, again, every story is very different. Yeah. This one in particular is very different. Yeah. So this one, this one was the group, uh, you know, Henry, Henry Zabrowski, Matt Servito, and Addie Weirich, uh, they, they, they work on uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, or they, at the time, were working on the show. Uh, I was a huge fan of that show. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you recognize him immediately, Zod. Yeah, that's, that's where I recognize Matt Servito from. So now the funny thing is, is that it's almost like a meta, um, a meta story, because uh, the character that Henry Zabrowski is playing, Shane, is, is based off of Shane Morton. Who is the makeup guy for your pretty face? So <laughs> in that set, in that last thing, there was not a single piece of set decoration that had to happen for this film, other than this the silver streak statue. That that place looks like that full time, 100 percent of the time. It is a it is basically a a walkthrough horror museum and makeup shop. Is there a giant and, Milton Berle penis in there? I, there is now. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, have one, I, I have that one over here <laughs> for the sequel you, you take that penis and you put that in the the poncho's uh briefs <laughs> wow oh uh but God. yeah no, this is... christine's over there drinking look at this she's like <laughs> but, um, this for the second shane batch, is, shane batch is to party too. <laughs> yeah. shane's the makeup guy and henry's character is based on him and obviously matt's character is based off of uh just enough off of him to not get sued again, but just based off of uh, Robert Downey Robert Jr. Downey and, Jr. I and saw Iron Man-ish uh, character. I totally um, saw that. Everything to the goatee and everything was. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's and that was you know that was uh, that group down there pulled that one together and it's um it's it's a blast as well um you know uh, obviously there's a uh, for those you know just a, a quick synopsis for those who who haven't seen the movie yet it basically the this movie star filming a, a big blockbuster superhero movie has to go get a um a face mold for a practical special effect and mm-hmm. the uh the guy running the, the the effects shop is a super fan super weird fan and uh uses voodoo to capture part of his soul and then chaos ensues and yeah super fan and well it's a psychopath as well <laughs> <laughs> But that would be revealing a little bit uh, too much about that segment. That is cool. So now, were the were there time um, restraints for each story so that could fit the certain full runtime of the film? I think they gave them fifteen to twenty. Um, okay. We come in almost dead on ninety minutes. I want to say. Um, so they, I think they were trying to get into that eighty to ninety minute um, sweet spot. Love it. Now everybody here is a, a part of an amazing. Um, group called the actors club yeah. which was really really cool um uh, i think that's just a great way to uh kind of bring the actors together and the friendships have formed so that being said were was auditioning still necessary for the film or was it one of those you guys work closely together you guys are already friends um just kind of uh offered roles i uh actually slept my way to the part yeah. yes <laughs> best way yeah, with a lot of people. Like, more than, you should, have, more you should talk about your experience with Ferkley there, yeah? yeah. <laughs> well, he was the final one I had to convince. 
Yeah, so that, that <laughs> so, one, so there's a scene in the show that is based on reality. Uh, so, <laughs> it was a, good, uh, a hierarchy you had to go up. Exactly. And the top of that is a puppet. <laughs> yeah. And and the puppet intimacy coaches are, they are, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a unique skill set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're amazing. I mean, I felt very comfortable. <laughs> I know I can, I can speak for myself in saying that, yes, there, for me, there was auditioning. Um, it's funny because originally I wasn't cast as Christine. I was cast as... Who the fuck was I cast as? I don't even know. I was cast as... <laughs> changed some of the characters at some point around, too. So. Yeah. I, mean, I think originally I was cast as Morgan Flanagan's role. Um, so the girl I end up teaming up with yes. in, in, in our Hunger Games. That's great. Um... But I definitely like I I mentioned to um, to Ken during our interview, and I was like, honestly, Christine fit me way better. Like I just there was a there was a moment when I was when I was improving, and Nick was like, this is perfect. He's like, you're belligerent but not sloppy. And I that was my my Instagram bio for like the longest time, and I was like, yeah yeah, that sounds like a drunk Alexis. So yeah, it was pretty pretty good. So there was auditioning on on my end, and I actually did it like. I was on the road and I, I auditioned. Christine, did you also read for Mary's role? I think they gave us all. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, the Mary monologue and like some scenes with like other bridesmaids talking about like the engagement ring scene or, or something like that. Yeah, it was like, oh look at, oh that's why it's so small. It's that shit. Yeah. I, I and think. then we all did the morning bitches monologue. Um, for the audition which is fun yeah that was that was that was pretty good that was that was pretty fun yeah so christine also had to audition in yeah the- i did have to audition mm-hmm. as well <laughs> how about you dan because uh, i know that you did night watchman with uh ken and uh dan luca before so was it one of those deals your chuckles your chuckles it was uh i i this I, I did have to audition for the night watchman i did not have to audition for this and then of course the uh the dancing thing that was uh by the way you're doing this so um <laughs> yeah, so. oh so, man i love basically it. at this point they're just going to put me anywhere they can they can embarrass me so you know if there's something awful that has to happen to somebody i'm pretty sure i got a part love it now i i saw conspicuous volume one attached to the end of this uh movie title so are we gonna see a volume two we hope you know, if people rent it and and watch it, then uh, hopefully our our investors will make their their money back and be ready. You'll know, be all in for a part two. Well, if they have sequels, for each sequel, you have to add another genre to the title, so it becomes a dramatic comedy of horrors part, part two, and then maybe a tragic drama dramatic comedy of horrors. Two comedy, two horror. Yeah, exactly. Like there we go. Serious, right? <laughs> That is brilliant. But is there any like rough plans for maybe just plot lines for, for the second volume? I think they're bounce, bouncing some things around, but right now they're they're finishing up. Um, while so we shot this in October and just into the mm-hmm. first week of November of nineteen. Okay. And then obviously the world shut down, um, right? You know, so which actually gave them the opportunity to finish it, to edit it, and and have all that stuff happening. But during that period of time, uh, almost exactly a year ago. 
um, they went over to Austria and shot uh, a horror Western, not a comedy, uh, full, full-fledged, just uh, legitimate horror. Um, and, uh, and so th- they have that coming up next. So right now their focus is finishing that, but they are looking to, you know, kind of trying to piggyback that to the next thing. And uh, so, so they're definitely, uh, they're definitely, you know, running down the, the options for, for, uh, for volume two. Awesome. Of course, you can check out volume one on all your favorite uh, platforms, right, Dan? Everywhere. Um, Amazon, iTunes, YouTube. I just found it on YouTube the other day. I thought it was uh, somebody had just posted it, you know, just in, in general, like hacked it. But um, no, YouTube has it for rent. Um, I had it. It's on um, Comcast On Demand. Um, Vubik, Woody, we're in Canada. Rogers, Canada, Shaw, Canada. Um, I can't think of the other ones, but pretty much anywhere you you look for it. Uh, uh, Voodoo, Fandango. Um, and I think there's a couple others. Love it. And of course, Facebook. Google, Google it. Yeah, Facebook.com slash a comedy of horrors and then Instagram.com slash comedy of horrors film for the social media for the film. And uh, yeah, you got to check this out, guys. My God, I can't implore the listeners and everyone uh, to please check out uh, and support independent film. Um, but this is like high quality, high production indie guys. Come on, right? This yeah. is very studio. I mean, this is very high budget studio looking film, honestly. Mm-hmm. Thank it, you for 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 what you guys accomplished and the actors. Everyone's fantastic, fantastic actors involved with this project. So, wow, this is great. But um, I know everyone here's all. Hey, yes. I do want to call out. We were talking about this before the show. Um, yes. The, the the last made segment also has uh, our oh, yes. our friend Greg Crow. Thank you, Greg um, Crow. So Greg Crow makes an appearance in that, and unfortunately, um, during the last year, we we lost him. Um, oh, and he was just kind of one of the one of those actors who was the heart and soul of the DC Baltimore acting yeah. community and uh, and our actors club group, and and just uh, and and you know he was he'd just been on the the politician on Netflix, and he was just one of those guys that was just you know he was in eighth grade, the Bo Burnham movie, the 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 principal. He he was, he was a star up. on the and rise, he, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so that you know, we we dedicated the movie to him. Um, we, we that happened just before it it premiered, and, and Ken had time to get that in right right there, right before they've got uh, print lock. So um, oh wow. So you know, it is uh, it's always he was always just the best to have on set, and uh, so we we missed the hell out of him and and Rasik, and and you know we've lost too many great people in our acting family around here. Absolutely. Greg, fantastic actor. Rasik, phenomenal actor as well. Um, yeah, and they're, they're definitely very, very missed for sure. Their talents are missed and, and personally they're missed as well. Yeah. Um, uh, before we wrap up, I'd like for everyone to maybe a form to, to promote uh, anything that you're working on now uh, or maybe past projects that you want people to watch. Let's start with Alexis. Why do you always want to start with me? I mean, <laughs> um, so I obviously, you know, besides watching a comedy of horrors, volume one, right. um, definitely check out, you know, as, as Dan had mentioned, another another anthology piece that I have a bit role in um, called VHS2. That's also, I believe, on Netflix. Um, awesome. I got to watch that. It's amazing. And then, you know, I've got other stuff in the pipeline. Not ready to talk about it yet, but, you know, it is. 
we just keep moving. So uh, yeah, that's that's what that's what I've got. So thank you uh, for you know having me. Yeah, yeah. and Alexis is going to be hanging out for uh, pop culture banter. Uh, Alexis, yeah. we we actually have a film that we're going to be in t- uh, together, right? Yeah. The back doors closing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, setback doors closing. They're still uh, they're still in principal photography for that, so that won't be out for a little while. But um, that's that's pretty fun. So yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, that's gonna be awesome. Uh, Jimmy, what you got going on in Los Angeles, my man? Uh, you know, just uh, just alive and well. Um, no, so I have a yeah, I got a movie coming out sometime this year. I hope. I don't know, you know. Um, but hopefully it's called Shaky Shivers. It's actually another horror comedy. Yeah, I saw that on your IMDb. Cool. Yeah, it's directed by Sung Kang, who's from the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, it's actually his directorial debut. Uh, and that was another very silly, a lot of improv movie uh, coming out called Shaky Shivers. They definitely play with a lot of uh, different genres. And there's a lot of uh, practical um, special effects makeup in it. <laughs> That's pretty cool and fun. Uh, that you guys will see. It's pretty intense, fun, crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, that'll be out. Uh, I hope, hope, hopefully this year, I believe is the plan. Um, you know, again, don't quote me on that, but I believe that's the plan. And then, uh, yeah. And then I'm just, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of things kind of, um, in the works and that's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy to be out here and, you know, the weather's great. Can't complain uh you know and so uh yeah that's what we got going on right now awesome and i gotta throw out uh blockers again because i still really yeah. much really love that movie have they ever have they talked about a sequel yet because um i mean there was talk initially but i think that probably a lot of a lot of talk of any sequels at the time probably got shut down pretty quick with covid uh so you know even if there was any sort of talk about it like i know i heard I heard some stuff about something about an LA version or like, like some sort of sequel thing, but, uh, or I don't even know, but I don't think so. I mean, don't, again, look, I'm, I'm just a pretty face that is hired to act in things, you know, <laughs> an empty vessel that is just, just here. yeah. So like, honestly, that's up to those people, you know, that's up to the people that don't look like this, that have to make those decisions, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, but regardless, it was still, uh, yeah, I mean, you can still go and watch blockers. So people should do it just cause it's fun. Yes. It's so much fun. Very. It's like lots of laughs. Yeah, Christine, no, yeah, you're no. also in Los Angeles. Um, and you told me that you're, you're involved with some murder mystery, virtual murder mystery. Oh, this is just like my side hustle, but yeah. I do virtual murder mystery games for like corporate companies. Um, and they interrogate us in different Zoom breakout rooms and try to figure out who the murderer is. It's very fun. Um, it seems like a lot of fun, yeah. I've never even heard of that. Amazing. I, didn't know this. I can't yeah. believe you're about this now. Yeah, um, I do that. And I also do, um, I'm a virtual game master for escape rooms. So. I oh, wow. Yeah, so. Oh, we love escape rooms. General side hustle. Um, as I'm just right now, like I'm in LA, I'm also enjoying the weather and it's very nice. Sorry again to everyone who's yeah. <laughs> somewhere else. Um, just kind of auditioning, hustling out here. And um, as far as previous projects, 
I think you can watch. It's called The Marshall now, I think. Bill Tillman and the Outlaws. I think. Yes. Watch it as a series on Amazon Prime or something. Oh, they broke it up into a series. Like uh, I think so. I'm not entirely. I didn't know that. And um, I have a film uh, called Ithaca that's also, I think, on Prime Video. Um, 1940s family war drama I did a while back. Uh, so. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I like how she just kind of throws that under there. It was directed by Meg Ryan. Co- Tom Hanks is in it, and she works with Sam Shepard. So yeah, let's, let's give that a little weight to it. That okay. is a career highlight. She's working like, with Sam Shepard. Well, it's fine. And, uh, <laughs> and 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 Huey from the Boys. Oh uh, yeah. Jack it's, it's funny. I never. I didn't meet him because uh, we didn't have any scenes together. Um, But I recently went to a comedy show out here um, because the Soldier Boys and Jack Quaid are all in a comedy group, sketch comedy group together. And I went out and saw them perform and I met Jack for the first time, actually, a couple months ago. So that was kind of fun. Oh, he seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. Awesome. And of course, Dan Franco, I know you got something you want to talk about, a little plug. I always want to talk about the recursion theorem. There you go. the Comedy of Horrors, please watch it. Please help us make a Comedy of Horrors Volume 2 um, and rate it, review it, all that stuff. Um, I have uh, this this little short noir um, thriller that uh, we, we've had out for a while. It got kicked off of Amazon because it was, it was just too much for Amazon, man. Um, it just didn't get the, the I guess, the, the traction or the eyeballs that, you know, it's hard with a short film um, to, to really drum up interest, but it's... Uh, it plays like a lost episode of the Twilight Zone. It's got a little shining to it. It's got a little Hitchcock to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm incredibly proud of it and uh, just trying to get people to to find it. And it's uh, it's a, you can find it on YouTube if you search Recursion Theorem movie um, or RecursionTheorem.com. Uh, it's, it's also there. So um, it really yeah. is, it really is a magnificent piece. Um, really, truly beautiful, stunning, you know, one man show, stunning, like, you know, cinematography. It really is. Yeah. Beautiful. So please, uh, second that I second everything all my friends say, but you know, like, I really, really love this one. <laughs> awesome. um, and I just want to say that Alexis, stop being a kiss ass, please. Thank you. Al, Al, where Al? Where do you live? What, what's that skyline? What the hell's that? Oh, you where are you? It looks like New York, but this is a virtual background. I'm in Maryland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Weren't you out here? Convincing backdrop. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I yeah. literally thought that's yeah, so where you, you see, were. So you see the first markets. time I thought it. First time I saw it, I was like, "Where the fuck are you? That's daylight right now. Like, <laughs> are you in Hawaii? Like, what the fuck? Hawaii. <laughs> I knew." I do well, like it's, why, it's still daylight. It's still daylight in LA. Welcome to heaven. Uh, but um, I thought Al. I was like, I know you're not in LA because it's a gloomy ass city. But like, I was like, where are you? Uh, okay. Yeah, I know it looks very, very cool. Virtual background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we end tonight's uh, interview for uh, the cast of a comedy of hearts, if you go around, let us know who you are, the character you play. Um, a plug for Comedy Horrors, and let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Start with Dan. Hey, I'm Dan Franco. I play Chuckles in the Comedy of Horrors, Volume 1, and you're on the... I fucked it up. Damn it! Stop <laughs> drinking! Dan, I, I, too. Dan, I forgot my oh. character name, so you're fine. 
Aren't you? Aren't you Larry? You are Larry. Yes. You are Larry. All right. <laughs> now, now, again, Dan. Now, <laughs> now, now, now it's going to become a thing. Once We're I once I screw Larry. on. And I'm trying to sound good. Okay. Hey, I'm Dan Franco. I play Chuckles in A Comedy of Horrors, Volume 1, and you're watching Below the Belt Show. Christine. Hey, I'm Christine Nelson. I play Lucy in A Comedy of Horrors, Volume 1, and you're watching the Below the Belt Show. Awesome. Jimmy. Hey, my name's Jimmy Bellinger. I play Larry in A Comedy of Horrors, and you're watching The Below the Belt Show. Nice. That's where Berkeley is. <laughs> hey, Alexis Barone, fellow Filipina. Okay, so, okay. See you. Um, hey, what's up? It's Alexis Baroni. I play Christine in A Comedy of Horrors, Volume 1, and you are watching the one, the only, Below the Belt Show. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much. And let's do a nice photo op and a count of three. Everyone smile. One, two, and three. Awesome. Uh, I love it. Oh my God. Awesome. Christine and Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much thank for you. having me. Yeah, yeah, you guys are awesome. And have a good night. It's great to, great to uh, talk to you again. Great to see you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep us posted on all your awesome endeavors. So, uh, so we're going to take a, uh, a song break, um, uh, and then we're going to come back and talk everything in the world of pop culture. Uh, and uh, I thought since they just dropped the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, um, why not some good old Guns N' Roses? Uh, this is uh, the song that was featured in the Love and Thunder trailer. Uh, this is Sweet Child of Mine uh, as we take a break here on Below the Belt Show. All right, that's Guns N' Roses, GNR, Sweet Child of Mine. Wow, you're rocking over there, Alexis, yeah? Oh, my God, I love Guns N' Roses. Y'all don't even know. <laughs> oh, how cool was that the, for, the, uh, for, the, for the trailer, uh, you know, of, uh, which is number one on my list? Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, wow, I mean, I already knew this movie was going to be great, but after seeing the trailer, seeing Guns N' Roses – Seeing the return of some of our favorites, including Natalie Portman as yeah. uh, Lady Thor. Well, um, she's she's not Lady Thor. She's, she's not Lady Thor. Thor. Thank you. Well, see, Zod is the comic book official. She's the I Mighty think. Thor, right? Yeah, she's. <laughs> it's not like, like when Sith. when Jane Foster becomes uh you know gets Mjolnir, she just becomes Thor, and you know the uh, like classic character Thor that everyone knows is Odinson. And that's what they were referred to in the comics. Ah, really cool. Well, I, I thought the trailer was awesome. Um, you know, the the little bit of Chris uh, Pratt, uh, his <laughs> Peter Quill and uh, Thor. <laughs> little joke at the end, uh, kind of alluding to a possible <laughs> bromance or romance. Between the two. I don't know. I don't know what they were going for there, but 
It definitely was pretty funny. And yeah, uh, it, it, course... it really looked like Thor was way more into it than Star Lord was, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and let's now, of course, uh, Thor is back to the Jack Thor. As you know, last time we saw Thor was an Endgame when he was, you know, the couch potato. Uh, well, they called him Fat Thor. And of course, uh, <laughs> there's always some groups that get all upset, all bent out of shape. But you know, it, it was. For the weight gain that Thor had in Avengers Endgame, um, you know, I don't know why that was, uh, you know, controversial. They said it was they accused the movie of being fat phobic um, because of the uh, the weight gain as a source of comic relief. But I, I don't, don't know. think so. You know, like because because if it was just there for comic relief mm-hmm. at the end when he called when he got the you called back the armor. Right. He'd have gone back to normal Thor. It stayed. It, it it stayed through the whole movie. It stayed through the action scenes. It wasn't just there for part of it just to be semi-funny. It was it was a character going through PTSD because he right. felt responsible for first failing all the people of Asgard on the ship and then failing the people of the universe by not chopping the guy's head off instead of or his yeah. arm off or whatever. Absolutely. So, and if we saw the the workout that that Thor uh, endured the, the those huge chains or whatever, uh, <laughs> getting into shape. Uh, uh, so uh, we kind of saw what uh, that you know how he dropped the pounds, but apparently he was able to lose the weight rather quickly. Um, but yeah, Nat, the, the the big thing was Natalie Portman though. I think it's uh, uh, cool. You know you know the backstory on 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 um, I guess the female version of Thor Zod. And how oh that- yeah. Yeah, the um, I don't know if they'll go into some of the more like um, uh, I guess tragic things about it because Jane Foster is supposed to get some really really aggressive terminal cancer, and like um, that was supposed to be like part of the the duality with it. Like Mjolnir chooses her like she's considered worthy the same way that thor thor was and um interesting considering she's human she's not as guard yeah yeah well technically like thor is all in the at, at least in the comics they've never ever done it in the mcu but thor um originally was supposed to be like uh you know it was it was a a human being who um would be imbued with the power of Thor and would be like the, it was originally this, uh, this doctor, Don Blake, and then um, this paramedic named Jake something that I don't remember the last name for, but it's like, uh, so they've done that before where they've had humans like kind of like uh, become like these avatars of, um, you know, the power of Thor. So, I'm guessing that's where they're going to go with this. Okay. I don't know if they'll have, I mean, I wonder if they'll go through the cancer route though, too, though, because that was a big part of Jane's character for a long time. Yeah. I might give her that vulnerability, I guess. Uh, then she, you know, and kind of have the sympathy from, from, you know, the audience I'm guessing. And, and, and then she becomes a strong, you know, yeah. Thor uh, towards the end. So I'm looking forward to that. And they also dropped. Oh, two... she has a She has kind of a, a romance in the comics with uh, Sam Wilson, too. <laughs> so oh, wow. that's like, don't, don't know, know if they'll go in that direction. I don't know if they'll go in that direction, but they could surprise us, you know? Yeah. 
Um, we saw two, uh, I guess, mini trailers, uh, more teaser trailers of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which we're actually going to be seeing a lot sooner than uh, Thor. We're going to see that one in May, and then in two months we'll be seeing Thor. So uh, we're getting a big dose of Marvel movies, so that's pretty exciting. Um, the Multiverse of Madness uh, teaser trailer showed Scarlet Witch trapped in the mirror dimension. Um, so that was really, really cool. Um, and uh, we had new glimpses of Mordo and Christine Palmer, which are likely variants, uh, were also shown in the trailer. So that that's super duper cool. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to do a, a topic, and I thought because of the Thor Love and Thunder trailer just dropped, uh, go around and, and let us know what out of all the Marvel MCU movies, which one stands out as your favorite and why? And then, of course, you can mention an honorable mention. So uh, I guess I'll start. Um, it's it's It was easy to, to think of the, the top two. Uh, which one I would put ahead of the rest uh, was – that was the tough one for me. But um, Avengers Endgame is my number one mm. uh, because of the, the emotion. I mean, you, you literally felt the emotion when, when – when Black Widow and and, and uh, Iron Man, when, when Tony Stark uh, perished, sorry, spoiler alert, but the movie's been out for a while. Yeah. Um, and uh, for a superhero to 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 make me so uh, emotional and invested into that movie, and of course, uh, you know, uh, the joy, the pure joy of seeing that last battle scene uh, was completely euphoric. Uh, so that's my number one honorable mention goes to Spider-Man No Way Home um, because of just. Again, that 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 pure uh, joy of seeing um, Spider-Man's one and two, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, uh, and uh, and I'm so glad they kept it as much as a secret as possible. Yeah, and it's a little bit difficult to to keep that a secret. You know, Andrew Garfield said, "Oh, I'm not in the new Spider-Man movie, whatever," but they did as well as they could to to still give us that surprise factor. Because had they not given it surprise, I don't think it would have uh, resonated as much and, and given it that whole fan service moment but uh that, that would be my honorable mention spider-man no way home how about you dan yeah i've i've been i've been struggling with this all day um because <laughs> even even the bottom of my list which i don't even know what's there maybe maybe uh, i like the eternals it's toward the bottom but i yes. liked it it's still it's an still enjoyable good, right? movie like right. the worst of the Marvel is not a, it's still not bad. You know, it's still not, <laughs> not even, not even remotely bad. So right. um, I think, I think most geeks consider Thor two to be the worst of the MCU movies. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could see that, but, um, but there's still like, I, I love the Darcy stuff that's in there. I love the, mm-hmm. um, and especially I feel like, I feel like with the with the Marvel with the Disney Plus shows, they've kind of come through and stitched together. Like they've kind of a, like targeted some of their weaker movies and made them better with the. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, um, but I. As a favorite, you know, I love Iron Man. I love Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark. But since the time I could even know what comic books were and. Who, Spider-Man was my guy, and Toby, uh, not Toby, um, uh, Tom Holland is my Peter Parker. He is, he's, he's my favorite of the three. Um, 
And and honestly, for me, Spider-Man number three is actually Toby because I like Andrew Garfield. His movies weren't as good, but his his Peter Parker I felt was better. But um, <laughs> the uh, so I'm gonna go with No Way Home as my number one Marvel movie. Nice. Um, it I just loved it. I I completely no. like chills. I, I the moments in there and 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 that one is still I think within kind of semi spoilers. So I'm not gonna say, but moments in there that brought me to tears that absolute that. I didn't see coming, and I'm usually yeah. pretty good at seeing the stuff coming. That's what you know. It's a good movie when the emotions yeah. are there, right? And um, just the, the emotional weight of that, just like Endgame, uh, just like uh, Infinity War. Um, but then I'll go honorable mention to the original because without RJD or RDJ um, <laughs> and, and Favreau, you know, it none of this would have happened. They, they they came out and they crushed it out of the gate and they created this entire world that we all get right. to enjoy. So first Iron Man, you're going first Iron Man. First right? Iron Man is my honorable nice. mention. Nice. All right, Alexis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have a favorite Marvel movie. I don't really know if I if I have like honorable mentions and stuff. I'm just gonna list my 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 top three. So I'm just gonna say, yeah, the OG Iron Man for sure, 100 percent like i think i saw that one also like at a drive-in movie theater so that also has its own like you know weight to me personally i i also just i mean like part of the reason why i love it so much is just because of the of 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 um robert downey jr's story in general so like there's yes. also that, that that unfair bullshit that like <laughs> you know unfortunately leans towards its favor um of course um yeah, the latest Spider-Man, um, of course, you know, like, it's just, fuck, the whole thing, it was just so good. Um, again, I kind of agree, it's kind of within spoiler territory, so I'm not going to, like, say too much, but, you it's know. It's been out I, for a while, I think you could say it. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but that's two, and you have a third. I was full-on bawling my eyes out, like, at some of these points. Right. So, like, I knew it was coming, but I'm still I, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Matter. like yes. I was for it. Um, and then I would say that uh, another uh, fuck like actually this is this Iron Man the original the original Iron Man and Black Panther those are my like they're number yeah. one they're Black number Panther, one yeah. Black Panther yes Black Panther is this I mean was that not the only MCU film nominated for an Oscar I think it was the only one right I want to say yes but I don't yeah. I don't for, know for best picture. I mean, yeah. effects, yeah. I, I'm sure a lot yeah, more. But, they but get again, nominated every time for effects, but yeah. Best Picture, sure. I, th I think in terms of the prestige awards, yeah, I would. Didn't they win uh, the SAG Ensemble? I think they did. Didn't Gary, Pe wasn't Gary Peebles in that too? Yep. Like doing stunts and stuff? Yeah, and he had, he had posted something. Yeah. You know, lo love Gary Peebles. Um, but well, no, then he leveled up. He's now Drax's stunt double. I know, he's so awesome. Um, That's awesome. But no, like, I, I just think that I just think that both of those those are my two top two top. They're both number one. With I my love it. being, you know, the latest. <clears throat> so nice. How about General Zod? General okay. That Persian, Persian comic god. <laughs> Persian comic god. You know. <laughs> it is. This is such an incredibly difficult question to answer because really? you, you know it's like that whole cliche like how do you choose two of your two of your children? You know, if you happen to have a ch uh, you know, and you have two children, so it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! 
Yeah, but in this case, you got a family of what, like 23 now? Right. <laughs> and so it's. Uh, yeah. And especially like if you count the shows too. I mean, that's. We'll uh, make it easier. We're not going to count shows. So just the movies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Um, in the in the time that I've been thinking about this, okay, so the movie, and it's actually it might be a surprise because I don't think people talk about it as much, but at least to me personally, Captain America: The Winter Soldier is uh, um, is amazing. It's like it's like in my mind one of the most perfect ones, and the reason yes. for that is because. There's been long, like, uh, being in a really, like, old-school comic guy like I, I am, one of the things I always loved about reading comics, reading superhero stories, is even though it's, uh, you know, a lot of characters in, like, tights and everything, and there, there are lots of fights, <laughs> you can tell pretty much any kind of story through it with those characters. I mean, you got to suspend some disbelief a little bit, obviously, okay. because... You know, people have superpowers and everything. But Captain America to the Winter Soldier told a really, really, really tight espionage story. And it was tight. It was really well done. And um, I think that was the first of the MCU movies where they actually did that. They kind of like moved it away, at least a little bit genre wise from, you know, you know, a specific formula. I mean, of course, they came back. People talk about how, like, MCU movies all follow formulas now. But it's right. a... Uh, but for me, like, I remember when I saw that, I was like, holy shit. This is... <laughs> you know, this is more than just, like, four or five, like, cool-ass movies. This is something... Like, they know what to do to, like... And you can see it continue because a movie like Black Panther is so different than a movie like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which mm -hmm. is so different than Avengers Endgame, which is so different. I mean, on yeah. Chi. And um, and they all work, and they because of that. And I think that started with uh, The Winter Soldier. Okay. Honorable and, and mention? They, and they brought that weight, you know, they, they had Redford in it, and, and it had that 3 oh, yeah, that's right. kind yeah. of kind of yeah. feel to it. So, I mean, they completely played into that. I... I I love. I mean, I'm, it's in my top five, absolutely. That's a good one. Got an honorable mention, Zod. Well, I mean, you already talked about Endgame. Endgame is like the culmination of everything, and it's a huge spectacle, and it brings together all these storylines and all of these different characters in such a satisfying way. Right. Then, I mean, you got to say that. I personally really like Guardians of the Galaxy two a lot, but mm -hmm. that's that I personally think was the funniest of all the MCU movies. Oh, the funniest, okay, good. Yeah, and um, over Ragnarok. Oh yeah, right. Oh my God, how did I forget yeah. Ragnarok? <laughs> Shit. That's in my top five too. So. You're right. I got yeah. Ragnarok. Top five, right? Ragnarok is uh, they're tied. Ragnarok and mm -hmm. and. GOTG to our you like to see I like GOT one GOTG one better than two but I love both of them but one I I, I thought edged out too but uh, again it's James Gunn's uh, genius there uh, that was awesome guys yeah good to give it some insight on um, uh, your favorite MCU movies so uh, some other movie stuff to uh, throw out Fantastic Beast the Secrets of Dumbledore um, Top the box office, although it wasn't too impressive with 43 million in North America over the Easter weekend. Um, 
But uh, that was the number one movie. And then Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, second place. And then in third, yeah. fourth, fifth, respectively, Lost City, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I heard was awesome, and Father Stew. Yeah, the Potterverse has really, really been taking a hit, like for the yeah. past year or so. Yeah, I think I think people are just getting disenchanted with it. I mean, do you think yeah, it has to I do with uh, how as well as, you know something like MCU in this regard? Yeah, I, mean, pivoting, I think pivoting was a little too hard. Like, I just I feel like because yeah. your main storyline was it's literally called Harry Potter X Y Z. Like, I think that made it a little hard. You know, because whereas, like, you have all of these characters that are standalone characters, it's not Iron Man and Thor. It's fucking mm-hmm. Thor versus Iron Man versus x you know, whatever. So, I don't know. I just, I feel, in, in, I, the only reason why I bring that up is because we were literally just talking about it. But I think that it's just, the brand didn't, isn't doing as well. I And also, I mean, you see fads and, like, different kinds of... You know, you have the vampire thing, and then you have the zombie thing, and then you have, you know, the superhero thing, and the superhero thing is just slightly more evergreen. Um, and then you have the wizards thing, and now you have the magic and the fairies thing, and then I don't right. know what's next, you know? Yeah, but they, they got a whole theme park in Florida and in L.A. You know, people love this world, and I think what really hurt it was was uh, some of the some of the positions that that J.K. Rowling has taken. Rowling said, yes. That's what I was going to bring people up. People are, are, like, walking away. They're like, you know what? It's not your story. It's our story. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we find what we want in it and we're yeah. going to continue this legacy without you, even though you're still involved. You So, so I don't think they've, they've canceled the, the, and the franchise, I personally, no. I loved Fantastic Beasts. I didn't think the second one was as good, but I loved the first one. I thought it was I'll really. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. How about the third one? Dan? I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I, I, I want to. Okay. Um, I'm I'm gonna yes. check it out here um, probably on on when it hits uh, rental. But uh, yeah, if I, if I get a weekend, I'll go check it out before before the big summer <laughs> summer season hits. They say the Mads Mikkelsen um, uh, portrayal of Dumbledore was better than Depp's, so that that I'm curious to see as well. So uh, and I yeah, liked, I liked Colin Farrell in that character because because in the first one he's hiding under under you know a disguise. So right. I, I kind of was like, oh, okay, but I would like Colin Farrell to stay in the role. Right, right. So it's a little all over the place with that one for sure. Um, wow, what else we have in movies? Uh, David Cronenberg has been a, a favorite of mine. Uh, he's known for Dead Ringers, The Fly, History of Violence. I mean, just classic films. Um, his film Crimes of the Future will be um, premiering at the Cannes Film Festival, which is huge. And uh, you have, uh, yeah, Alexis, she's all over canon, she? Uh, Viggo Mortensen, uh, Leah Sado, and Kristen Stewart uh, is going to be uh, a part of this film. Wow. Uh, yes, the trailer is very freaky, uh, if you got a chance yeah. to see it. Um, uh, kind of very analogous to part four of A Comedy of Horrors in that uh, crazy uh, uh, prop uh, room, uh, just some seeing some sewn up and horror um our uh, prosthetics and all that craziness. So uh, that's something to check out, uh, which is number two on my list. Um, and uh, number three, now this is interesting. Uh, this is a movie called Good Morning. Uh, so for whatever reason, they're giving uh, Machine Gun Kelly and Maude's son uh, directorial reigns to direct their film, uh, which is a, uh, a, a comedy of sorts. Um, I'm curious to see how this one will do because this is a directorial <laughs> review of 
two musicians uh, directing a film, but uh, it's known as a stoner comedy, so I guess you don't really need to be a Scorsese to uh, right. direct a stoner comedy, <laughs> uh, which features uh, uh, MGK, Mod Sun, Megan Fox, um, just to name a few. Um, that's going to be released on May 20th. Oh, probably, you know, I love a good stoner comedy, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, you know, dude, where's my car? You know, even yeah. going back to Days Confused. Um, geez, there's so many good stoner comedies out there. Oh, oh gosh, um, How Calvin High. Kumar, How High, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, curious to see how this one will do. <laughs> All right, uh, the Tribeca Film Festival, another big festival, um, is going to be. Um, I have a huge film to spotlight that one, and it's Jerry and Marge Go Large. It's a comedy starring Breaking Bad's Brian Cranston and Annette Bening. Uh, so that's going to be, um, yeah, that's going to screen in New York uh, from June 8th to June 19th. They just announced a slate of films, which will include 110 feature films. Wow. Also. Uh, 32 directors. Good chunk of those are really hardcore indie. Mm. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Give some indie shit. Volume, you know, volume one of Comedy Horrors, right? But side note, has it been, uh, it's already released. I don't know how it works once it's already released on demand. Was was a film festival ever an option for your? We did we did a, a, a short festival run. Um, okay. We, we did a couple of, unfortunately, we were still dealing with COVID. Um, you know, the, Comedy of Horrors is one of those ones that we really hoped that we would get in-person audiences because it's one of those ones that I think when you have a, an audience full of people, it, it's just going to kind of feed off of itself laughing. Um, we, we, we premiered at the Garden State Festival Film Festival in, in Asbury Park, which oh, yeah, is right. one of the best film festivals I've, I've been to. Um, it's, it's a Asbury Park in the last 15 years has gone through this, this revitalization project and it is just a cool place. If you are a filmmaker and you have a movie put it get it in that festival because it's it's a it's a town built on rock and roll and you know and and springsteen and and uh you know uh, Southside johnny and the asbury jukes and and little stevie and all those and all these little great clubs with with rock and and the festival kind of is in the peripheral of that and it's an awesome place to to be in a festival unfortunately we had eight people in our screening and five of them were with our movie so not (laughs) not the best um and then we went to Florida uh, for the Freak Show uh, Festival, which is a gr- another great horror uh, a genre fest. And um, that's right outside of Orlando, right near uh, the north side, right near UCF, uh, University of Central Florida. And um, and it's at a, uh, I guess they have a theater chain down there called Epic Theaters. And it, um, you know, it, it had a... a beautiful magnificent projection and sound and it it, it looked awesome uh, again it had a small house but it it won the festival in both of those in both of the, both of those uh fests so that was really cool and then it's been in a couple others and then there's there's a festival in seattle called uh the bone bat comedy of horrors so we obviously got into that one so okay, that's that's even though we're released we're we're in this festival, so that's that's coming up in a few, and I think in a few in a month, and uh, oh, so good. it'll it'll be in there. 
That's awesome. I mean, like, it's always a little case-by-case basis, you know, like, with distributors and uh, in festivals and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of like you just got to talk to everybody and you have to – it has to be a communicative relationship with, with everybody and just say, hey, is this going to break contract? Is this going to be an issue? Does this, you know, does this fuck up your, your marketing uh, right. scheme, et cetera? So it's just – it's all communication. Um, I can't obviously speak to a comedy of horrors, but just to put that in yeah. context, you know. That is awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. Number five on my list, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I think we talked about this movie. Uh, it's going to star Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Regé Jean Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, uh, to name a few, and Hugh Grant. Uh, so it's quite the cast. The The title is going to be called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. So that's they're adding a subtitle uh, to that. Uh, I know Zod, you're a you're a D and D guy. I know you were, weren't you? Come on. <laughs> um, the old the old cartoon. I loved the old cartoon. Yeah, the old man. cartoon was great. The Ranger. Yeah, yeah. The the or the guy with the shield. He I always uh, always dug him too. The kind of oh. like um, the cavalier. That's what he was. Cavalier, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cavalier, and then there was like the the dark haired kid that was just yeah. Like this, Dude, or the yeah. or the wizard guy with the with the hat where he like always pulled the wrong things out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I did, I I did dabble <laughs> with D and D a bit back in uh back uh back in my early incarnation of myself. Yes. In high school. <laughs> in in uh, high school's odd days for sure. Is- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> campaign right now. Like I was supposed to play tonight, but I was like, hey, I got this thing going on. Can you you dabbled with D and D, Alexis? Fuck yeah, I'm doing it. Really? Amazing. I fucking wow. love it. That shit is you, like, do, you do a campaign, Alexis? Oh, huh. wow. You do a campaign? Like, you... Yeah. Uh, I haven't I haven't actually, like, actively done a role-playing campaign in, oh, probably at least 15 years. So, I'm, I'm jealous. I should probably get into it. I fucking love D&D. D&D's amazing. It's just... It's, <laughs> it's friggin' great. And, and you know... Um, <laughs> I've got some great friends. My 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 fiance is our DM, so that's kind of fun to see a different side of him, you know. So it's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's really great. And actually, my dad's in the campaign with us. So like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. It really is. And plus, you know, frankly, uh, we just we usually sit quite literally in our basement, and all of us get hammered together and role play, and it's kind of amazing. Nice. Wow, that sounds like fun, and adding the drinking aspect definitely helps for sure. Fuck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love so it. I was I was part of a of a script read um during COVID. Uh, you were talking about Jamie Nash. Jamie has mm-hmm. a, uh, a a script uh that kind of gets into the uh, the Gary Gygax, and it's basically the the social network of D and D. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a the, the, the genesis of D and D. It's it's a great yeah. script, and I hope it gets uh sold and produced because yeah that's i've i know a little bit about that story that's um yeah that's a pretty fascinating story gary gygax is a really interesting guy well that's why i'm like you know as much as i i like i just feel like getting the life rights for gary's story would be very hard (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i hope it happens but i'm like wow that'd be lots of money (laughs) Right, for sure. All right, moving on to number six on my list. Jason Momoa has just joined the Minecraft um, feature film for Warner Brothers. Um, So, yeah, from Atlantis to the dangerous deserts of Arrakis. So uh, (laughs) Jason Momoa is, you know, he's he's smart in in going for all those big franchises, you know, the Dune franchise. Is that going to be animated? 
No, this is going to be live action. Live action movie. I can't, guys, I cannot. Okay, I also play Minecraft. Like, I cannot get into this. This is no, not you don't a think thing. It, you don't you know, think it could be a good uh, live action uh, film? No. <laughs> well, I mean, like. It's alone. It belongs where it belongs, and it is on my fucking computer, not on the screen. And that's me, the filmmaker, saying this, okay? Hold the F up. Fuck no. <laughs> but, but you know, all of us thought back in, what, 2001 or 2002 when they announced they were making a, a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. We're like, oh, what are you doing? And, or the same uh, thing with a Lego movie. I don't know. I didn't yep. have opinions like that back then. I'll just be honest. We're but, like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember nice. when they announced the, the Lego movie. I was like, that sounds like the stupidest fucking thing ever. Yeah. And, and that movie was an absolute delight. It was a gem, that's, wasn't the it? The Lego movie's animated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, really that's, there you go. That's a good it's, got, Guys, like, the whole, like, part of the essence of Minecraft, I don't know if any of you guys play it, but, like, part of the essence My son of plays Minecraft it. is that yeah. it's blocks. They're blocks. Yeah, so right. Unless, unless Jason Momoa is crawling through blocks, I don't care. They could make it, okay? I don't care. <laughs> Done. I'm out. Bye, Al. You know how it might work? You know how it might work if, um, especially because, like like you said, part of the appeal of Minecraft is everything's blocky. It has, it doesn't have these, like, um, you know, it it, it has, like, a very retro look to it. Well, you do that, you do that with live action by them being in these insanely like blocky costumes, kind of right. like like old school like fifties robot type costumes, and uh, and because then that that kind of has that kind of like throwback appeal while you're doing this uh, while you know while they're doing this um, this world building. Okay. Or, or like uh, like uh, the new Jumanji, they get pulled into the game, and so they're live action characters that are in the environment yeah. of the Minecraft world um, and navigating that. So. Yeah, but if it's too close to Jumanji, they'll just think it's like a Jumanji copy. Yeah, but let's yeah. Let's, let's be honest. They're not gonna they're not gonna put Jason Momoa in a in a in an eight bit. Yeah, they want full yeah. Jason Momoa on screen. Yeah. They don't, yeah, they don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I'd pay to see Jason, a women love an that guy. Jason Momoa with a J- Jason Momoa voice. I'd totally pay for that. I'd be like, yeah, I'm here for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'll be like, talk to me, Jason. <laughs> I want to hear your voice in an 8-bit cartoon. Yes, please. All right, number seven is Fast and Furious 10. They just uh, released a movie title, which will be simply Fast X. So X is the Roman numeral for 10. So I think that's clever. They have to come up with these clever names, I guess, because it's a it's a franchise with 11 films or 10 or 11 films. <laughs> um, but they just um, announced uh, Charlize Theron, Sung Kang, Tyrese Gibson, Michelle Rodriguez uh, are all due to return uh, in Fast X. So uh, I I don't know, man. It's just from racing movie to to uh, you know just super powered vehicles. <laughs> it's just, the genre has kind of uh, gone too far for me. Um, I mean, they do well in the box office, but no, nah, they're definitely not one of my favorite film franchises. People like them, but yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, be a pass for me. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and be honest. And the only one even I haven't seen a, a an actual Fast and Furious movie, but I saw Hobbs and Shaw. Um, well, yeah. That's the only one I've seen, which was actually fun. That was a lot of fun. That was fun, right? Yeah. That was that was a, that was more like a superhero movie almost. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Th- I mean, was there even like? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I gotta say, I've never seen any. Of, uh, like, I'm in your boat. I've never seen any of the Fast and the Furious movies, but I, I have seen Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> and so like, didn't have any appeal to you, yeah. And it didn't the ride at Universal, so <laughs> yeah, that was that, 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 that ride is awesome. Yeah, yeah, the Universal ride is dope. I, I definitely <clears> love <throat> that. And of course, Captain Marvel will be appearing. Brie Larson will be appearing um, in Fast X. So interesting. Yeah. We'll see how that one goes. Um, if you're a fan of George Orwell's work, this is number eight on this Animal Farm uh, is going to be an a- animated adaptation uh, with Andy Serkis, who you recently saw in The Batman. Um, so that should be really cool. Um, I hate wow, this guy does everything. George Orwell's works are so relevant at every point in my life. <laughs> uh, 1984. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see how an animated, how this will, I'm just curious. I'm curious. I'm, I'm totally intrigued. I think Have it'll, I think it'll be successful. Form? I'm just, I'm curious. Like it's not, you know, for me, animation is not, I don't, my brain does not see that. So they've had it. They, they've, they're, there already is an animated adaptation yeah. of animal farm. Oh, okay. It was made in like the seventies. I want to say maybe yeah. the eighties. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it has that kind of seventies cartoon type look, right. to it, but it's going to have the, uh, I mean, crazy it's a, yeah, the book is, I remember when I first read that book, I read that book in eighth grade and uh you know that's actually from 54 oh it is yeah shit wow 1954 yep okay well there you go so i'm way way off yeah we probably saw it in the 70s you know yeah exactly oh man uh let's see number nine is Candyman's uh nia da costa who, uh, who was the director of that um, latest Candyman, um, is going to be directing um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, The Water Dancer, for MGM. Okay. Um, this is interesting. Um, this follows Hiram Walker, born into bondage. Okay, this sounds kinky, uh, but not really. Uh, yes. As a child, he loses his mother. Over time, loses all memory of her. Now a young man. Hiram almost drowns when he crashes a carriage into a river, but is saved from the depths by a mysterious power he never realized he had and struggles to understand. Okay, so this is uh, a selection of Oprah's Book Club that's going to be adapted into a film. So, uh, (laughs) very interesting. Um, uh, Number 10, uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, He explained recently why he did so much uh, Indian films. Well, number one, it had to do with, yes, money because he had some tax, you know, issues, right? Uh, He had to finish paying off his debts uh, in a year and a half. Um, And uh, I feel like he's like the comeback actor now, I think, you know? Um, Especially after, like, wait wait till next week. (laughs) Yes, he's got a big movie coming out next week, right? Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's the movie that he was promoting, um, uh, Massive Talent. 
the, the incredible the weight of, the, of massive talent or something like that. Yeah, massive unbearable talent, yeah. weight of massive talent. Yeah. Yes, massive talent is uh, what you're alluding to. Yeah, but he had some flops, you know, like the Ghost Rider uh, film and Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, and then he did some exclusive straight to video on demand, like Pay the Ghost to Trust, The Runner. Um, but yeah, um, but he says um, that all art is subjective, that people are open to their opinions and interpretations. Um, but uh, even though he did need the money, he still um, stands by every project that he did. Well, I mean, he made an amazing movie in Pig. Like, that was, great thing. that was I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. I've heard, it's, I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he made, like, he made some kind of like Five Nights in Freddy's type mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. I remember seeing an ad for that and I never actually saw it, but. Yeah. He said, he said, people thought I didn't care. I did. I was caring. Uh-huh. I think that I did some of my best work in my life in this direct-to-video period. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, nice. if you consider, yeah, like, I mean, he made Pig in that period. So yeah. it's like... Uh... Um, so Liam Neeson, number 11 on my list, said he's open to reprising Qui-Gon Jinn under one condition. This is very surprising. I think so, yeah, I think so. If it was a film, I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to TV. I must admit, I just like the big screen. The thing is that some of the Star Wars' best work is now on Disney+. Plus. These recent yep. Mandalorians and Book of Boba Fett's have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Cannot wait uh, for Obi-Wan. I wanted to talk about uh, this Star Wars news because, Dan, you're on the panel. I know you're a big Star Wars fan. But uh, what do you think of that, Being uh, Liam being a snob to returning to Star Wars uh, if it was uh, only a film? There's no way. There's no, there's no, first of all, he doesn't look like he looked back then. He doesn't look like even when he did, when he did Taken. Um, right. <laughs> so, and Qui-Gon Jinn didn't get any older because we, we saw him die. So. The um, force ghost, the, you don't right. age as a force ghost, correct? Right. You, you stay right. the same. <laughs> well, however you appeared when you died is how you're going to appear, right? Unless you're Anakin Skywalker and then you, you, you de-age. But that's the thing. The Anakin, the first iteration of the Force Ghost was Anakin as an as the older Anakin, yep. you know. And then the second iteration was Anakin and, before he was marred in the volcano or the yeah. volcano planet. So uh, yeah, that's not really consistent there. But uh, that's more they came up with a different really idea, know. like thirty years later. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I, I just don't know what that story would be. I mean, he could get, he could definitely get a Disney Plus series, a little six episode right? limited series. Um, because that sounds like, unfortunately, that sounds like all they're going to get out of Obi Wan is the the six, the one season six episodes. I bet this was um, planned as a film originally, yeah, and they're going yeah. the series route, yeah. And I'm really worried that that's all they're going to give us with Moon Knight too, which is really going to piss me off because I'm uh. loving this story. Yes, we're going to get to Moon Knight very, very shortly. Awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Number 12 on my list is The Batman, uh, which we talked a lot about a lot on the show, but $750 million worldwide. So, uh, And it just dropped on, uh, on HBO Max. Max. Yeah. So everyone who didn't want to sit through a three-hour <laughs> Batman movie 
can now wa- uh, watch it in the, the comfort of your own home. Um, I like my couch. My couch has my ass spot in it. So <laughs> like, we got a ass spot on my couch. Yeah. Ass spot on my couch. I'm not even going to lie. I, and also like all, you know, in, in just everybody was like, it's so dark. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to pay this much money to go watch something that is so dark. I don't even, I can't even fucking see it. So yeah, this is very correct. You can do a little bit brighter with the TV you're saying. Or you just no, don't want to I, sit through that in a the theater. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, but um, Matt well, Reeves actually. There is magic about a theater. There is magic about a theater, but. Yeah. But for a film this dim, it's kind of hard to appreciate, right? It's, it's, it's just, it's, I'm also lazy. I want to sit another... in my home where I can be, you know, like in my pajamas and like eating <laughs> food I want and drinking the booze I want. Well, yeah. It also doesn't hurt that you can pause and go to the bathroom. Exactly. Yeah. That's Hold the on. best advantage. It's three hours, guys. But uh, uh, a recent tidbit is that Matt Reeves uh, talked about the Riddler scene. This is that deleted scene in the Batman. And it said it wasn't intended as an Easter egg. It was just all about drilling down the need for Batman in, in Gotham City. Um, so that was critical to ending the movie and to finishing the Riddler's uh, storyline, so to speak. So um, that was his reason for, I guess, both not including it and including it as a bonus. Um, um, but also in DC um, EU films, um, we're going to get the Blue Beetle movie. Uh, and uh, Academy Award winner Susan Sarandon just joined uh, the cast to play Victoria Cord. I know you know who probably Victoria Cord is, right, General Zod? You're the comic book uh, aficionado. Yeah, that's Ted Cord's mom. Oh, Ted Cord's mom, right? Who was the one of the original Blue Beetles, right? Yeah, he's the um, he's the the Justice League Blue Beetle, like the Justice League International. Um, you know, the there's three Blue Beetles. There's Dan Garrett, Ted Cord, and um, Jamie Reyes. Jamie Reyes. And, Right. And, or Jaime. Is it Jaime Reyes? Or That's Jaime. That's right. Yeah. Jaime is the Latino pronunciation. And yeah. uh, we got Cholo Madreña from Cobra Kai, who's mm-hmm. Miguel Cobra Kai, who's going to be the lead in that. So yeah. that's going to be awesome. I like yeah. him. Yeah. Isn't he great in Cobra Kai? Yeah. Alexis, you you interacted with uh, Cholo on set, didn't you, on Cobra Kai? A little I bit? Honestly, I want to say yes. I can't remember now. And now I'm like, my brain is like starting to fry because I'm like, oh, <laughs> I literally was like holding a yawn and debating if I should pour myself more whiskey. Um, <laughs> I want to say yes, but I'm not sure. Okay. So working with him before pouring more whiskey. Definitely the first one, not the second one. I'll pour, look, I'll pour the shit right in front of you. Okay, hold on. <laughs> go, go for it. I love it. I saw Frank drinking his red earlier. I was like, mm, kind of want to join. So. Yes. Well, I got my. My whiskey. Myself, I have a story so. to tell you guys later, but you, I'll have to wait for Al to invite me to speak on it. <laughs> Continue. You want to talk about it now? It's about bourbon. It has nothing to do with film. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can we can segue into bourbon for a minute. Okay, segueing into bourbon for a hot second. Um, my friends did a. One of my friends works at McCormick, like the the spices, right? Oh, the spices. She does, yeah. So she does like these like 
um, she does test trials for things. So she went hardcore on this thing. My friends and I, we all got together and we like did a blind tasting of six different bourbons. Her goal, so she did like, she did numbers, she labeled that shit, she put it in like little cups. Fuck, it was insane. It's like, this is very scientific and I like it. So the goal was to try and guess which bourbon was which. Um, and there were six different ones. And then also to demarcate which one we like the best and which one we like the least. So, you know, everybody kind of like, you know, we're all tasting it. And like, I mean, guys, after drinking a little, like six fucking bourbons, everything tastes like fire. <laughs> like after a while, you're like, <sighs> <laughs> like <sighs> you know, you're trying, you're trying so hard. But so like, I'm literally doing this thing. I'm just like sticking my tongue in it really quickly. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I think I know what this is. I think I know what this is. So. I read that, like, I asked Angela, she's, like, reading the results or whatever, and I'm, like, getting it on tape, and I'm, like, oh, God, I wonder what I'm going to get. And then she's, like, Alexis, you named all six right. I was, like, what the fuck? So I was, like, does this mean I'm an alcoholic or I've got a really good tongue, which sounds very dirty now that I just said it. So, oh, my God. I think I'm going to go with the first one. I think I'm going to go with the former. I think I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's my bourbon story. Apparently, I'm probably having a good song either. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. Naming all the bourbons. <laughs> As we continue to drink more bourbon here on Below the Belt Show. Yeah, I gotta practice. Love it. All right, number thirteen on my list is HBO and HBO Max stuff. So uh, this is also DC related. The Wonder Twins is coming to HBO Max, and this they're known for being on the uh, 1970s Super Friends. Uh, show and it's Jaina and Zan and they just cast uh the twins um Zan so it's freaking useless man form of a puddle like what the hell yeah one's water like, and one's an animal and animals not all animals can carry water or carry buckets yeah. like it's like it's just so weird and bizarre i don't know how they're gonna make it work well he could he could also turn into ice and steam where, yeah. So you could do stuff with that. Yeah. She was a form of a grizzly bear. Okay, right on. Form right. of a, form of a puddle. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to be very creative on how can they team up, but uh, it's Riverdale's KJ Appa, who's Jughead, and 1883 breakout star Isabel May will be uh, the uh, Wonder Twins for HBO Max. So That's uh, got to be a comedy. There's, like, no way they could do that. It's a superhero comedy, yes. Yeah. Yep, so that's going to be really, really cool. Also, they're doing, uh, for DC on HBO, called Detective Dead Boys. So oh, sh- wow, really? Yeah, I knew you were going to get excited about this one. <laughs> so the de- Detective Dead Boys follows a pair of ghostly detectives as they investigate murders related to the supernatural. Is it, is it Detective Dead Boys or Dead Boy Detectives? Detective Dead Boys, yes. Oh, so they, Boy so they, so they, so they, uh, they reverse the title. That's, uh, Did they reverse the title? Okay, so yeah. they first appeared in Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so. a, that's a pretty fucked up story. <laughs> so is that's it? A, yeah, that's a... Um, Cause they're like these two, like uh, they're in this like British boarding school in like the nineteen, like sometime around World War One, and they both get murdered in extremely grisly ways. <laughs> and, oh wow! And that's why they're uh, they're stuck on Earth. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's really that's a cool story. I mean, most of the stuff Neil Gaiman writes is is amazing i mean he's great man you know good omens i mean the sandman series coming to yeah Netflix. great 
Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the third one? He's got one more. Oh, Good um, Omens, Sandman. And uh, American God, Gods. American, oh, American Gods. Gods is over, I think. I think they, right, that's canceled. It, that one's over, but still, I mean, his 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 writing is just brilliant. Um, we're also getting The Time Traveler's Wife, which uh, stars Ygritte from Game of Thrones, uh, Rose Leslie, and Theo James. So this is a pretty cool uh, premise. So it's a man who's cursed uh, with unexpected time travel. He'll just, like, randomly go to different stages of his life. Um, so at some point he might be at an age where he didn't know his wife, you know, he, he could also return as a baby or he can return as a very old man. It just, uh, randomly happens. In, so in this was, so a, this was a movie with, uh, Eric Bana and, um, uh, Rachel McAdams and, and oh. I think it's going to work better in, in a series format. It, yes. I don't think it had enough time to explore yeah, because so she so she did Time Traveler's Wife, and then she did About Time, which was also a very similar. Yeah, thing. About Time's very cool. Yeah, I love that That's movie. It's one of my favorites. That's the most niche casting if you can think of something. This is the nichest casting ever. Yeah. This actress only works in time travel things. <laughs> right, right. That is cool. Uh, so cool I, job. I would imagine that that having having the 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 span of a series would will do that story a bit more than uh, justice than than the film did. And of course, on HBO, we own this city. Got to check out the premiere episode at the cast and crew screening. I was privileged to to attend, and I got to say, it was fantastic. What a great, great story. I mean, it it's shot out of sequence. No spoilers. I'm not gonna talk spoilers, but it's it seems like they're gonna go um, an out of sequence um, style uh, at different timelines throughout the um, I believe only six episodes of this limited series. So. Um, and it's not a spoiler because we know that, um, I mean, it's based John on, the, it's, it's yeah. right. It's based on uh, Justin Fenton's, we own the city, a uh, book. And we do know that it's about, you know, the gun trace task force who end up stealing from those who they arrest, uh, falsifying overtime hours, playing the role of dirty cops, essentially. And of course the head of that gun trace task force is John Bernthal's character. And, uh, it starts with him actually being arrested. So, uh, and then you kind of have to go back in time and, and back and forth to see what happens uh, and what leads up to it. Um, but I got to give a shout out to my buddy Trey Cheney, who uh, killed it in the first episode. Not literally, uh, figuratively. Mm-hmm. Uh, did well. Um, uh, he was all over that episode um, for the premiere episode. Um, shout out to some of our friends that appeared in that episode. Ken Arnold. Ken Arnold killed it in his scene. Uh, our buddy Lion Beckwith killed it in his scene. Nice. There were so many friends in this first episode. I, Thank it was so, so cool. Happy. It's so cool to see uh, a Baltimore produced show with just some of your good friends and just amazingly. And um, throw out uh, my buddy Victor Dobro, who's been on the show in his first SAG after speaking role. He plays cool. one of the cops. Um, just I mean, taking his experience as an actual police officer. Mm-hmm. auditioning and landing a role i mean and now he's all about acting it's crazy i mean he initially wanted just to consult with like weapons and then police policing and, and things uh and then now just yeah he's he's right into the the acting game so uh um of course josh charles representing baltimore doing an inc- incredible job uh as yeah he's probably one of the more um 
seedy cops, you know, um, pretty bad, you know, um, very Derek Chauvinish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just a bad, bad, bad character. Um, I'm sure everyone's going to be tuning in. It's April 25th. Um, we own the city. Uh, great reviews on the first episode so far. So, mm-hmm. um, also Jamie Hector uh, from the Wire fame um, and um, Wunmi Osaku, who uh, was in Loki. You remember uh, her? She's yep. one of the time variant cops, I guess. Is that what she yeah, was? She, she's uh, well, she's the the main one that's uh, kind of tracking Loki. Yes. Uh, other she, than Owen Wilson. Yep, she's she's one of the main cast members of that as well. And of course, John Bernthal, amazing actor. And uh, I think he kind of worked on a Baltimore accent. I, I heard a, a hint of a Baltimore <laughs> accent. Well, he's, he's from here. He's, he's from he's, D.C., yeah. He's from D.C., and he, so he's he's familiar with the Mid-Atlantic whole whole sound. Yeah. You know, um, you know he and Ken worked together on, on John's first feature film out of uh, American University. Yeah, so they, I, saw, I saw Ken post that. That was so cool. Yeah. So um, they go no, it, it, hopefully I, hopefully he does better than uh, than some of the mayor of Easttown. Uh, uh, yeah, Delco Philly accents. Accent. Yeah, the Delco Philly accents, which it's in some ways very similar to Baltimore, right? It is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think um, Kate Winslet did a yeah. good job with the accent. <laughs> yeah. She's fantastic. All right. So I can't wait uh, to see more of We Own This City um, again. Baltimore on the map. Did anyone get to work on the show in the panel? I auditioned, but did not work on it. Okay. Same. Okay. Yeah. Say lovey. Say lovey. I know, right? Um, I'm happy. You know what? You, you auditioned first. You wanted, you have the speaking role, but then you humble yourself and you accept background work. So um, happy to be both plain clothes and uniformed uh, uh, police on that as a background actor. So that was a lot of fun. So. Awesome, awesome, very cool. All right, number fourteen. I'm uh, moving quickly through this list. Uh, Disney Plus stuff. Moon Knight, episode four just dropped. I, I tried to catch as much as I could. Uh, let's talk about yeah, because we haven't had General Zod on the show in a minute. I haven't and... seen episode four yet, though. I gotta, okay. I gotta, I gotta well, do. Uh, I gotta. Um, okay. Disclose that. So. Okay, that's quite all right. Um, but we, I guess we, we could talk about uh, in a non-spoilerly <clears throat> way. But uh, what are your thoughts overall on the series, guys? What do you think? Haven't seen it yet. Can't say shit. Sorry. I love. Um, I, I knew nothing about Moon Knight going in, and yeah. and it is it is trippy and weird and different, and and Oscar Isaac is phenomenal in in good? all the roles, and, and it's just two fun. roles. <laughs> Yeah, Steve, um, Steve and Mark. Steve and Mark. <laughs> well, and, uh, there will be another. Role, oh, there will be more. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I had a feeling there were more coming, but. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's just it's a lot of fun, and and I I hope they find a way. The thing I'm not quite certain on is where it fits into the bigger, MCU. bigger picture of of the MCU. They actually said it's not going to be linked. Like you can watch the show and not watch any of the previous yeah. shows or films and be able to comprehend everything. That's what they well, say. Well, there about is a, I love that they, kind of stuff. At yeah. least through the first three episodes, there are two major MCU, um, two major MCU connections that I saw that okay. they yeah. Throw it out. Well, I mean, they're they're very minor. They're very, very subtle. But 
In one of them, a character mentions Madripoor. Ah, Madripoor, yes. Yeah, and um, that was like one of the um, one of the henchmen of that like gunrunner who uh, was actually the character. It was supposed to be the character Midnight Man in the comics, but they made him just like um, Anton Mogart, and um, he was. Um, like you mentioned Madripoor and then there's another one where they show like among the statues is like the the pharaoh Rama Tut who is not a um not an Egyptian god but is actually one of the variants of Kang the Conqueror <laughs> so okay. they wow. actually um they actually so they I mean they're probably more like easter eggs than like true connections and like they they haven't shown when this takes place is it before the blip is it after the blip like it's after the blip because on on the bus i think it's the bus one there there's some mention of the um what's that organization the re the global repopulation or repatriation i can't think oh, of the name. oh the one from falcon and the winter soldier yeah there's okay. a mention of that so this is post blip okay um, but Good. but it's just one of those things it's like it's so, so we have in Thor, we have Zeus, we have the Norse gods. Now we have the Egyptian gods. So we're mm-hmm. we're bringing all these, and, and then and then the um, the immortals or the internals are supposed to kind of be the gods. Yeah, they're know? they're like really similar to like the Greek gods. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. And of course, in this particular episode, it's it's about intro- infiltrating the tomb of Amit. Um, mm-hmm. So Mark. And Stephen, both collectively, I guess, which is kind of cool. Seeing the interaction of both, um, you know, Oscar Isaac portraying both characters and yeah. Layla. Um, and then, um, yeah, yeah, I won't get too much into that. But uh, uh, Ethan Hawke, another standout in the series. Uh, he doesn't play villains too often, I don't think. Uh, but it was kind of cool to see uh, the darker side. Uh, but, he, uh, but even playing the villain, he's kind of playing almost like Thanos. He, you you kind of feel that he's he's he he feels he's justified in what he's doing. So mm-hmm. right, making a better world, making a better right. place for everybody. That's true. I'm still, I'm still really surprised that he wanted to do this because he he was very adamant really? anti superhero movies for a long time. Like he had been quoted like numerous times about saying like you know i remember when um like that he wouldn't do superhero stuff i guess he thought it was like i won't say he thought it was beneath him but it was uh he didn't see it the same way that he saw like um more conventional um more conventional films and so it's it was kind of a surprise to see him in it but he's doing it i mean like he's a phenomenal actor so of course he's going to hit it out of the park but it's it's wild to see it is definitely wild to see and he must have been sold on the script because of mm-hmm. it must have uh, resonated with him <coughs> in such a way but yeah great great show guys um and i think only there's only six episodes right so only a couple yeah, more uh, so only yeah. two left yeah it's kind of a bummer because they are kind of framing it i don't think that there's going to be a season two for it yeah it's gonna be like WandaVision. Uh, I think but I kind of feel like you you can't you can't let Oscar Isaac just punch and and leave. Like you you've got to find a way to work this character in yeah. somewhere else somehow. 
you know. Well, in the comics, he's been an Avenger before, so okay. you know they'll, um, you know, they they easily could, and I guess you know you throw enough money at Oscar Isaac, he'll definitely. I'm sure he'd probably do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Poe Dameron. <laughs> Two of my favorite uh, fandoms, Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah, and he's a dude, so that's pretty awesome too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. All right, number fifteen, almost done the list here, the top twenty. Uh, so on Netflix, Netflix stuff. Well, what do we got coming up on Netflix? We have a movie called Leave the World Behind, mm-hmm. with Kevin Bacon, Mahershala Ali, Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, who we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and revolves around a couple vacationing in a rental house in Long Island. We're surprised when the homeowners arrive bearing news of a mysterious blackout. Wow. Um, sounds like an interesting uh, film. And, uh, yeah, Netflix is really re- really going big into the straight-to-direct, you know, Netflix films, you know. Um, you know, The Adam Project was another. Uh, oh, that was fantastic. One. Yeah, so good. And, and uh, you know, Don't Look Up. So, yeah, Netflix uh, has the cash. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not a fan of Don't Look Up. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm in it. I mean, no, I, I think you were probably part of my like Facebook thing. Like, I don't know. I I asked for comments. I didn't actually comment what my my opinion was. I'm gonna make my opinion known. Wasn't a big fan. Wasn't a big fan. Was a big fan. That's really. That's, what I aspects? Very in depth as to why, but I don't really feel like it. You know, okay, I mean, that's fair. I, I appreciate movies that are made because it's fucking hard to make a fucking movie. <laughs> it's not my cup of tea. Please That's move forward. Totally fair. I love it. And but I the Adam Project was phenomenal. I loved it. I I still on my list. Don't say shit. Okay. <laughs> no spoilers. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, like, okay. He's just great. He's, He's just great. Fantastic. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Oh. I know, right? Um, Netflix spy series with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Gabriel Luna and uh, uh, Fortune Feimster, uh, Travis Van Winkle, uh, Jay Baruchel. Uh, so quite a a great cast here. But yeah, it's um, an eight episode series and. Um, I mean, it's it's a spy, you know, a spy series. So I guess it's it's first of all, it's good to see Arnold Schwarzenegger back, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, you know, he's been giving politics, uh, uh, putting politics in the forefront for most of the. Recent well, he's years. pretty much retired from politics, I think. Right, right. You know, and, I, I love a good I love a good spy series. Please keep like I'm curious to know more about this. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, basically, it's uh, gonna show uh, Schwarzenegger. And his daughter, um, who's played by Monica Barbaro, um, learned that they've both been secretly working for CIA operatives for years. And they realize their entire relationship has been a lie and they truly don't know one another each at all. So, so both, it's almost it, there, there's the kind of shades of true lies in that. True. True lies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What's um, it called? Um, untitled spy drama. Okay. Well, it, and then it yeah. has. You said it has Fortune Feimster and Jay Baruchel, so yes. it's probably going to be at least a somewhat comedic. Some, some somewhat comedic with this too. You know, you're familiar with both of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fortune Feimster is a stand-up comic, and Jay Baruchel was in 
Well, he always played the same character in everything he's ever done, but he, he's incredibly good at that one character. Yeah. <laughs> and, I think this is going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be cool. Um, let's see. Production on season three of The Witcher just started earlier this month, and um, that should be cool. Uh, Rabia Mel just announced uh, for the cast who's going to play an elven fighter named Gallatin. That is one show I have yet to get into, The Witcher. Am I missing? Am I missing out, guys? It's good. Um, season one is, it takes, I almost punted, but I, I gave it one more episode, and then things started to make sense. Like, ah. there's some things that you don't really quite understand until, and then they finally let you in on on how they're telling the story. So, um, and then I'm, I just checked in on season two this this past week so oh. i finally caught up on ozark and and decided to yes. catch, start catching oh, up oh lord you i cannot wait for part two of the final oh, guys yeah holy smokes i'm trying to i don't get I, ozark people it, on the show. those are those are hard shows like 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 house of cards Oof. and and, yeah, and they're heavy and because because none of the characters are redeemable like i just hope at the yeah, end I of it Sam, okay like i'm sorry i just love that kind of like super fucking gritty shit like get, like <laughs> give it to me give it to me like i love that kind of stuff and like i agree with you some of these characters aren't redeemable but i yeah i also disagree with you because in some cases i just think that they while they might not be redeemable i think in some cases they the writing does a good job of like hum of yep. bringing the human element to the yeah. situation the, so the it doesn't feel like you know. The performances and the and the characters themselves are amazing, but they're not they're not people that you want to root for. Or and there's one character oh. that I could not wait until they were dead, and they finally are dead. <laughs> like, I are you talking about are you talking about an Ozark or in The Witcher? That would be like Ozark. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you I know, know you're talking. You know the about. trailer. You know yeah. the trailer had a big spoiler, right? For the part two, if you I watch didn't... the Ozark Ozark part two, uh. I couldn't believe they included well, no, what happened. You. Thanks, Al. Well, if Thanks you want to watch the trailer, that's, well, that's a good warning then. If you don't, yeah, don't want to. No, I'm seriously thanking you. Oh, like, seriously thanking you. Okay, that's sarcastically thanking me. <laughs> no. No, then I'd be like this. Thanks, Al. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know. Wait. <laughs> like, Thanks, Al. All right, number 16. <laughs> Apple. Um, only one Apple tidbit. Uh, Idris Elba lined up his next TV gig. Uh, it's called um, Hijack. This is going to be an Apple TV Plus thriller uh, from Lupin creator George K. It's a seven-part drama, a tense thriller that follows the journey of a hijacked plane. Oh, wow. As it makes its way to London over a seven-hour flight. And Elba will play Sam Nelson, uh, an accomplished negotiator in the business world, who needs to step up and use all his guile to try and save the lives of the passengers. Okay. So I guess okay, I'm guessing. I love that kind of shit. Yeah, seven yeah, hour. I. I want, will it be in real time? Maybe each episode is like. Uh, well, if what? it's a seven oh, hour like flight, seven well, episodes. Like one hour, you know, it's like. Yeah. Hour one, hour two. Yeah. So I fucking missed twenty four. Right, it, uh, it's, it's a very twenty one. He says he wants to do more. Ah, nice. See that, that that's very good. That's a good comparison. Twenty four to this uh, hijack. But yeah, no, it says here, told in real time, seven-part drama. So each episode, yes, will be an hour of the seven-hour flight. So that's cool. 
Um, okay, number seventeen. The, the, the Apple, the Apple show um, with with Gary Oldman looks really good too. The Spy Show. Oh. Yes, he's got something coming up too, right? Gary Oldman. Yep. I think we I, talked I think about the here. The first episode's show. out. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but but he has a show uh, like an MI6 sort of, mm. uh, and it looks really really interesting. Awesome. We well, gotta check that out. All right, number seventeen. So Bob Odenkirk already m- moving on to his next show after uh, Better Call Saul comes to an end. Um, it's called Straight Man. It's a one-hour comedic drama. It's a midlife crisis tale uh, set at Railton College, um, and Odin Kirk is the chairman of the English department in badly in a badly underfunded college in Pennsylvania. Um, doesn't sound as intriguing as Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, <laughs> just based on the. Well, based on like it a, sounds like it sounds this, like a white man version of the thing that Sandra O oh was in recently. The chair, right? Yeah. It was the recent, and the yeah. chair was fucking awesome. So I don't know why the fuck they would literally just copy it. Like that's what <laughs> it sounds like to me. Part of me's kind of offended. It is very like, similar, this is a yeah. book, so they they didn't they didn't just like like based on the novel the same name. Based on the novel. Timing. It doesn't matter. It's the timing is just god awful. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's very similar. And it was also an English department too, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was literally just... an under like an underperforming English department. That's that like... is crazy. Wow. Not smart here, guys. <laughs> also on AMC Dark Winds, uh, based on the Leap Horn and Chi books by Tony Hellerman. It's a North thriller. Premieres on June twelfth on AMC and AMC Plus. Um, looks pretty cool. The trailer looks pretty cool. Very, uh, takes place on 1971 in, uh, the Navajo, Navajo Nation near, uh, Monument Valley, Arizona. Um, and of course, uh, for you Walking Dead fans, I just aired a teaser trailer for part two, which I'm, I'm the one that's stuck with Walking Dead since season one. I just can't stop watching it. And, uh, <laughs> a lot of people stop watching it after, you know, Glenn was killed and like, but no, I've st- I still can't wait. Um, part we two. Didn't, is- we didn't intend to stop watching it. We just sort of did. Like, like it, no, I don't know how it happened. But, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was uh, the the time jump forward in the whisperers. We we didn't right. come back to we. So we're, we want to catch up and okay, and finish it, but just didn't didn't. Yeah, yeah. I it's mean, just, uh, I. I think it's gotten good in this final season. They really want to go out with a bang. General Zodger, you had something? Well, I was just going to say it, it's, uh, it's so hard to, um, cause like I was really enjoying the walking dead for a long time. And then, um, you know, cause like I had stopped watching it and then I went through a period where I watched like, God, like three seasons within the span of like two weeks and like um something like that like three seasons within the span of a month i think right and um it's there's just so much out there like so much like to watch and i it's Mm. like when there's such an embarrassment of riches of like all sorts of like great tv shows and great movies and everything Like, I never, ever thought I would come to the point where suddenly I'm, like, so overwhelmed that, um, you, you know. You have to choose, right? Yeah, that I have to choose. Like, and that, like, uh, but that's where we are now. And, like, I think, like, you're talking about Walking Dead. Walking Dead, at least for me, was one of those casualties where, like, um, 
you know, I'm like, oh, well, I got to watch this other stuff. I'll I'll hold off on Walking Dead for a little bit. Next thing you know, it's like a year later and like, oh, shit, I don't remember what's going on. I'm going to have to go back and watch the season from the beginning again. And yeah, it's and especially when when it's it's nine o'clock on Sunday, which is the same time that Game of Thrones or Westworld or yes. whatever the right premier yes. HBO thing is, that's yes. the same time. Yeah. That was the Sunday sweet spot for yep. HBO. <laughs> okay, do you do you still watch shows like when they first air? Like, uh, do you? It's true. Only the viral, only the ones that I know are going to be ruined for me on on social. Exactly, oh, gotcha. like Game of Thrones was. Yeah, I guess I was peak. like that with Game of Thrones. Okay. And when Walking Dead was at its peak, people are, are posting about yeah. Walking Dead. So yes, absolutely, and a lot of the Marvel shows too. Well, they just don't. I mean, they're street. The Marvel shows are all streaming, so it's like. Yeah, they, uh, but they still are, drop it. People are posting about them throughout the day. Like, like, like yeah. I try to watch it, but but it's also I want to make sure my son and I watch all of those together. So nice. I always we, we have great. to kind of coordinate schedules and stuff. Yeah, like that. that's that that's awesome. the main reason why I haven't yeah. seen Moon Knight episode four yet, is because both my kids want to watch it. With oh, there me. you go. Oh, and that nice little family time watching yeah. Marvel together. We get to watch them twice because Jack, Jack, my son Jack and I don't want to watch with the subtitles, and my wife does. So, so oh. we watch it. We watch the first run, and then we watch it back with her with subtitles. On. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you might have to do with uh, Oscar Isaac's English accent. Yeah, because Mark's a little hard, or Stephen's a little hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number eighteen. We're almost done. Um, network TV. Whoever still watches network TV. Uh, Goldberg's has been renewed for season 10. Nice. Absolutely makes no sense, even though it used nope. to be a great show. Jeff Garland's character, apparently, um, you know, they couldn't do anything because they already wrote the episode, so they made it very awkward. They had past footage and, and, and just had body doubles, and it just looked really bad. Oh, they kept showing him from behind. Oh, well, behind <laughs> or, or just yeah. unused footage, you know, very South Park chef when he uh, – I don't know. I, I can't think of a better example, but it was just so awkward. It's just like – I don't know. I think they, they really should have just finished it. And uh, But, hey, they want to go another season without Jeff Garland's character. I mean, I do love the 80s, and initially I was a fan of the show, but – uh, I think I checked out of that one a long time ago, but um, and SNL uh, featured Lizzo as the host uh, last Saturday, and not Thanks. since Donald Glover has host done double duty as a host and a guest. Um, and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch will be uh, the next host for the May seventh edition, so that'll be awesome. Arcade Fire, the musical guest, so obviously Benedict Stop. is promoting. Uh, Multiverse of Madness. Are you a Benedict fan? Benedict I like Benedict and I like Arcade Fire. <laughs> oh, you like both of them? Yeah, that's gonna be a really cool, uh, cool episode. Yeah, that's one of the things that one of the things I, I do love about network TV is Saturday Night Live. I, I still enjoy watching Saturday Night Live, for sure. Um, number nineteen, just a couple things from Coachella, the big music festival. Phineas um, actually played his song "Nobody Like You." Uh, his ja- jam from Turning Red, which is the that one uh, particular animated film, um, without his bandmates, of course. Phineas actually voiced the character. Oscar Oscar. winner, Phineas. Yes, he's an Oscar winner. Emmy award winner, Phineas. He could be the EGOT, the uh, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, right? He's just got to write a a Broadway musical now. Yeah, he he kind of he 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 stopped uh, Lynn from getting his EGOT. 
You're right, right? Man, that that's pretty uh, impressive, man. Um, and yes, Billie Eilish, Phineas, I mean, brother and sister, they're super duper talented. Um, so uh, yeah, that's really, really cool. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Madiskin, uh, was an Italian band, you know, that song Beggin', which is really dope. Um, they actually uh, did a cover of Britney Spears' Womanizer. Okay. Uh, they did some covers. Iggy Pop, uh, whose birthday is today, by the way. Today. 75. Old. Yes. The old punk rocker. Yes. Uh, he did uh, uh, Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog. Uh, and, of course, uh, yeah, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog, and uh, Britney Spears. So they're a super talented band. Uh, I swear to God, when I first heard Began, I thought it was live. Um, yeah. It, it sounds like like – Peak 1994 live off of like Throwing Copper or Secret Ooh, Samadhi. Going like, way back. I love that. It sounds like Ed Kowalczyk, 100%. Yeah, the voice? Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the bass and the kind of syncopated, you know, like. Yeah, lyric, like it, I, I it can hear that like comparison. Live. Yeah, that's a very yeah. good comparison. That's a good one, Dan. Yeah. Um, I loved it, man. Uh, I have yet to experience a Coachella. Uh, that is definitely on my. Uh, Less have done the Coachella of the East, the Firefly, but uh, mm. <laughs> did, done you the- see, uh, did you see uh, Harry Styles and, and Shania Twain up there? Oh no, is that oh, another highlight? Oh. Cool. Yeah, he he brought Shania Twain out and they sang uh, uh, "Feel Like a Woman." Um, That's kind of funny. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like well, yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, uh, last but not. Last but not least on my list are the Hollywood bad boys. Uh, these are actors gone bad. Uh, Marvel's Eternal star Barry Keegan arrested in North Dublin, Ireland, for public intoxication. Um, How, just, that's, that's not going him. bad. That's just that's How just Tuesday in Dublin. Just, <laughs> you have to be arrested for public intoxication in fucking. Ireland. Ireland, yes. <laughs> no. Irish, Irish love to drink, How right? Wasted. Do you he must have to... been like twenty sheets to the wind uh, to to be arrested for that. Um, <laughs> but that that's mild in comparison to some of these other people. Uh, mm-hmm. Ezra Miller, star of The Flash and Fantastic Beasts, arrested for a second time in Hawaii for assaulting an unidentified woman at a private residence. It sure uh, seems. It sure seems like Ezra's got a problem. What is wrong with that guy? Because he also dude? got arrested in Iceland too. Arrested in Iceland for apparently choking a woman. Yeah. Arrested twice in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, he's in the he Fantastic was... Beast movie. He's got the Flashpoint movie coming out. Yeah. Dan, you're about to say something. I was gonna say he he was he sent out a video um, giving a basically a death threat to to a bunch of KKK people. Which not not that I'm you know pro you know i think he was he was oh we know <laughs> sorry i'm getting into a i'm getting a weird <laughs> spot here but um but he he got in, in a bit of hot water there too so he's just he's going through a a difficult time i think Definitely. he needs help and i think dc needs to reassess um you know what's going on there um and last but not least johnny depp and amber heard of course their ongoing ongoing trial is happening not too far from here in Fairfax, Virginia, man. You can actually here. probably go to the courthouse and see Johnny and Amber going in and out uh, for their daily trial. But a lot more has been revealed uh, recently. Um, 
they talked about how Johnny Depp um, uh, had accused Amber of throwing a bottle at him, severing the top of his middle finger. So it gives new meaning to when he <laughs> shows his middle finger off because he's missing top part of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was crazy. Uh, they also alluded to um, – oh, they had a lot of people like testifying on behalf of both parties. Um, uh, Johnny Depp called his dad John Sr. Um, called on upon his dad as uh, influence is how he stuck with his mother, you know, um, how his, his, his uh, father's uh, stuck with her mother, you know, when times are tough. And that's kind of why Johnny kind of wanted to make things work with Amber despite their problems. But he did testify. He never, you know, hit Amber uh, nor struck a woman at any time in his life, which is completely opposite of what Amber claims. And it's just a lot of he said, she said uh, stuff. Um, uh, emotional abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual violence, uh, list goes on and on. Um, but yes, you know, Depp's camp, tragically, uh, no, it's none of it's true. Um, it's, I don't know that someone's not telling the truth here, you know? Okay. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out and, and be the unpopular penguin here or puffin or whatever the fuck it is. And just say that we shouldn't even be publicizing any of this shit because it's a fucking media circus and to promote either of them, whether they're, whether someone's lying, someone's not, it's all fucking made up. It doesn't matter to promote the fact that this can get so much media attention as a possible abuse story, whether it's physical or emotional or sexual or any of the above should not be happening. And that's just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't belong in pop culture. It doesn't mm -hmm. because then we, we just continue perpetuating the fact that this sells and that's an issue that we should address. I think the thing where it comes in though, is that like he has been for me, you know, I was in middle school when 21 jump street came out. He has literally been an acting star my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. And, and one of just the, the, the super novas of, of Hollywood and so absolutely this thing took him down it took him out of roles it took so I think that it definitely I agree I think that there's a private side of it that should not be all of us should be privy to but um you know unfortunately it was in the the Washington Post and I guess that's why it's in Fairfax is that is how did this trial yeah, the Washington Post it, exactly yeah. right yes well that wouldn't that wouldn't I think I think they decide where to put these trials there's like a there's like some kind of formula for how they determine where to put especially high profile trials like this right. and, and have a jury that's a little more impartial yeah but yes uh Dan yeah it was a 2018 op-ed she wrote for the Washington mm -hmm. Post about surviving domestic violence, though she never mentioned that by name in the article, but it's kind of implied that it is, you know. Well, so yeah, I mean, it would be... That, uh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Well, uh, I was just going to make a quip about, like, well, it'd be kind of difficult not to guess who it is since her longtime boyfriend that, <laughs> that they're estranged. Uh, yeah, so it's... Um, uh, go ahead. I that was where I was going with that. <laughs> and once you publish an op-ed, you've opened the doors. You know, yeah. like, like here's our here's our laundry. Come in and 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 expect it. Yeah. yeah. But yet uh, Amber Heard's still doing Aquaman too. So I don't know. So we'll. 
What is the last thing Johnny Depp has done since this has happened? I, I'm trying to think of the last thing he's done. Fantastic Beast Two, I believe. Yeah. I thought he had one thing after that. Okay. Um, did that did that Meyer Lansky movie? When did that come out? That probably came out way before that, didn't it? I think it did. Yeah. But uh, we'll very curious to see uh, what happens there uh, once. Uh, you, as you know, he already lost his uh, UK libel suit. Um, against the, the British tabloid The Sun for calling him a white beater. So that doesn't that's not very favorable for this upcoming one, but uh yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. All right, as it is getting late, let's go ahead and close the show. We have to announce some rest in peace shoutouts. Um actress Liz Sheraton, best known as Jerry Seinfeld's mom in Helen um, Jerry Seinfeld's mother Helen rather in the uh classic Seinfeld uh had passed away at the age of 93. Uh, Rio Hackford, um, club owner and son of Oscar-winning filmmaker Taylor Hackford. I passed away at the age of 51. He actually appeared as Bobby the Bartender in Swingers. uh, Very memorable part uh, in in Swingers, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. John Fravro, Vince Vaughn. You're so money, baby. You don't even know it. Oh God, I love that. Movie. That was that, such that, a fun the phone movie. call scene where he just keeps leaving the messages That's just over it, and over again. Yes, it gives me anxiety every Does time. Does it give you like, yeah. Oh my God, like you're feeling for the guy, like dude, don't do it, don't do it. And he's just doing it over and over again. Oh my God, uh, uh, Patrick Carlin, the brother of George Carlin, um, uh, writer and performer, uh, sadly passed away at the age of ninety. Robert Morse. Um, AMC's Mad Men actor, um, also the head honcho of the fictional ad agencies, Sterling Cooper, passed away. Mercedes Angelica Lalanza, film and television producer and lead creative producer of Amazon Studios and Prime Video. And Ralph Kaiser from the 22nd season of CBS's Survivor, sadly had a heart attack at the age of 56. Um so that's uh, sad rest in pieces, and with death we celebrate life. Birthday shout-outs for Iggy Pop, 75 today. Tony Danza, 71. Actress Andy wow. McDowell, 64. Here's another old school. Bleak town. Here you go. Bleak. Robert Smith of The Cure, 63. <laughs> I love The Cure, and I love Robert Smith. Uh, let's see. Um, James McAvoy, um, Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. Xavier. Uh, he is a uh, 43. Um, Frank Delane from Fear of the Walking Dead's 31, and Sydney Sirota of Echo Smith is 25. That's birthday today. So Echo how did Col- you how did you not pick a Cure or a Stooges or Iggy, Iggy Pop song as the classic cut today? I was I was thinking about that, but I felt we were talking so much about Marvel, and that Guns N' Roses was such a thing. My you know what? Are all day long, son. Right. But this is I what I'm gonna do. I was listening to The Passenger and Why Can't I Be You earlier today. Oh, my God. That is a great song. Iggy Pop or The Cure? Cure? I go with Iggy Pop. You've done The Cure. Cure for me? Dan? I I either. I like both. Oh, okay. So we got a tiebreaker. And Alexa, I don't know if you're familiar with either artist, but The Cure or Iggy Pop? Just pick one. That's the song we're going to end for tonight's show. The Cure. The Cure! (laughs) And Dan, I I think you already mentioned... uh, uh, that song um, that I, I would love to play at the end of the show. Uh, and that's Why Can't I Be You. Yes. <laughs> a great song. And, of course, um, 
ending tonight's show with an interview I conducted at the Fan Expo Philadelphia. We got a lot of great pre-recorded content to play on the show. We're going to start with this first interview with an actor that quit acting and came back to do the third <clears throat> film in the Clerks franchise, and that's Trevor Furman. So Trevor Furman was a lead in Clerks 2, um, decided he didn't like Hollywood, and ended up in the IT world. And all of a sudden, Kevin Smith calls him and says, hey, we'd love for you to come back for Clerks 3. And um, we're going to play Trevor Furman's exclusive interview, uh, closing out tonight's program. And, of course, uh, Robert Smith and the Cure, Why Can't I Be You? Upcoming interviews on Below the Belt show from Fan Expo include Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante in Clerks, Jeff Anderson, who played Randall in Clerks, um, uh, voice actress... um, Carolina Ravasa, and last but not least, I get one question with Ming-Na Wen, Fennec Shan oh, from The Mandalorian, upcoming on future episodes of Below the Belt Show. We've got some great content, but we're closing out tonight's show with Trevor Furman, um, who played Elias in Clerks 2. So we'd like to thank the entire panel um, for joining us. Um, the cast of A Comedy Horrors Volume 1. I'd like to thank, of course, Alexis Barone, Dan Franco, thank you. and earlier in the program, Christine Nelson and Jimmy Bellinger. Thank you so much for being a part of a great, great show. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for my co-host extraordinaire, Mike the General Zod, the Persian Prince of Pop Culture. Yes. Yes, and I'm Al Soto, yep. a.k.a. Celebrity Soto. We will see you guys next week for more incredible incredible uh episodes for you guys and until then we will see you next time peace We are here at Fan Expo Philadelphia with Clerk star Trevor Furman. We did it! <laughs> this is quite a reunion. You got a lot of your uh, fellow co-stars from Clerks. How's it feel to get the gang back together? Uh, I've never been so thrilled in my life. Really? No, I mean, it's good. <laughs> it's nice. It's cool. Yeah. Probably comes cl- a close second to actually shooting Clerks 3, which a lot of the fans are are very highly anticipating this this third film. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about the third film? Uh, not much. <laughs> it was really fun to shoot. Uh, I mean, I can't give you any spoilers, obviously. Of but course. We don't want to have spoilers anyways. Well, you did, like, I, I, what do you, can you ask a more specific question? Absolutely. Uh, how was your experience on set? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was weird to go back to acting after not doing it for 15 years. Yeah. But uh, it was fine. You know, they're all the same people, and they're all really nice. And so it was good. Awesome. Now, you mentioned not acting 15 years, because I've seen previously on your IMDb, Clerks 2 was your previous acting gig. Tell us a little bit about your decision to step away from the acting world. Uh, I, well, I, it was easy on account of I hated it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't like L.A., and I don't like the show business. Working, you know, working on Clerks 2 was awesome. Okay. 
okay. and like performing is really fun, but all the rest of it, I'm just uh, hard. A lot positive. of the BS. Yeah, it all it sucks. Right. Like, yeah. So how was it being convinced to reprise your role as Elias in Clerks Three? Oh, it, it didn't take much convincing. Kevin just asked if I wanted to do it, and I was like, sure. I mean, he, I really like working on Clerks too, and I, all these guys are awesome, awesome guys. So that was no problem. Great. Can you talk about what you decided to do career-wise after Clerks Two? Yeah, so I, I, I did several things. I, I went to college, and then I went to graduate school. I thought I'd be uh, an, an academic and uh, like uh, teach literature. I didn't, I didn't want to do that. And then uh, I worked as a copywriter and a copy editor for a while, and now I am a programmer. Wow, you're a programmer. What kind of code? Well, I'm a front-end engineer, uh, so I work. Uh, I work with like React applications mostly right now on electron environments, and I work uh, on mobile stuff, and I work on the on web platforms. Wow, that's that's very intriguing, very very intriguing. So, being back on set for Clerks Three, had, did it give you that itch again, maybe to get back into the entertainment world, or you feel like, if anything, just in the Clerks universe? Uh, I definitely don't never need to act again. <laughs> uh, it was. I mean, if Kevin wanted to do something else, I'd I'd, I'd do it because I just like working yeah. with him. But I'm I'm good otherwise. Very awesome. Uh, how was it like working with Rosario again? She, you know, it was great. Like I haven't seen her in a long time, and uh, she she was. I, I guess she was so nice, you know, in Clerks 2 to everyone, including me, and so I, I knew she would be cool, but it was still like, yeah. you haven't seen someone for a long time, and I just walked into the makeup trailer one day, and she was so warm, and just, like, gave me a big hug. She's just such a cool, warm, smart, talented person. I, I like her a lot. That's amazing. Of course, you're here with all the guys, and a very shortly, next month, you have another reunion at uh, Jane Sound Bob's Secret Stash in Jersey. Looking forward to that event as well? Yeah, I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, that'll be a little bit different than the con thing, because yeah. everyone there will be just sort of Kevin Smith fans, you know? So it'll be, like, more intense, I guess. I don't really know what to expect, but I don't know. I like hanging out with these guys and and meeting all the people who, you know, the movies mean something to them, so awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Now, do you have any favorite fandoms since we're at a Comic-Con? Um, I... I don't. I don't do the the. Fan, I don't do that so much. But I did meet um, Bo Billingsley, who does the voice for uh, Jet Black and Cowboy Bebop, and I love Cowboy Bebop, so that was pretty cool. And then I also met Billy West, and I am a big fan of his. Futurama, I just think, is one of the funniest shows ever. And my girlfriend is an even bigger fan, and I was able to get her. Uh, Billy West is so nice. He gave me a signed Zoidberg. Uh, like eight by ten for her, and she like she really liked that. So yeah, I mean it's been cool meeting meeting uh, some people like that. Awesome. Well, well, we thank you so much, Trevor, to be a part of this interview here on Below the Belt Show. And if you could let us know who you are, and you're on Below the Belt Show. Uh, yeah. I'm Trevor Furman, and this is the last podcast on the left. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. This is Below the Belt. <laughs> And for the video portion it, and YouTube portions, click on this. So one more for click on this. Uh, hey, welcome back to Bad Love Below the Belt. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You can click on, the, click on those likes. And uh, if you like my content, go to the other channel. That's great. All right. Thank you so much. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, bye.
goodbye, 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 goodbye.